this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Earlier today, a Broward County appellate court judge has upheld a previous ruling to ban the sale of Miami Rap Group, the two-live group, double platinum album, nasty as they want to be in Broward County. We think it's the uh, banning of free speech and the First Amendment protects material, presumptively. We don't talk about uh, harassment, sexually brutalizing women in my music, man. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. Two live crew. Boy, I'm taking you back to South Beach in Miami, 80s and 90s. See if I can remember. It was Luke Campbell. He was leader of the pack. Fresh Kid Ice, Mr. Mix, and Brother Marquis. Band in the USA talking about freedom of speech. With them, it was their songs because they objected to having to put out a clean version of the song, which we're playing now. And then, obviously, a version of the song where they could drop the F-bomb and say whatever the hell they wanted to say without it being removed. But that's not what we're going to be talking about, at least in this first hour. It's the decision by um, Elon Musk, who said one of his main reasons for spending $44 billion to get Twitter was to return it to the point where it would be a community bulletin board filled with free speech, whether we like it or not. So a lot of people are saying right away, whoa, 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 whoa. Free speech means everything goes. Who decides what's good, what's bad? And obviously Kanye's been on a rant 
an anti-Semitic rant. The guy obviously has all the furniture upstairs rearranged in the wrong rooms. Yeezy, yay, yo, I don't know, whatever he wants to be called today. But then all of a sudden, it was the symbol that was tweeted out by Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yay, ye, yo, that uh, all of a sudden caused him to be put on the shelf another time, suspended, because he put a swastika in uh, the um, Star of David. I need that music here underneath me there, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. I need that motivational music to keep the flow. Uh, also, to keep activated, our telephone talent coordinator, Avery, it's the three of us. We're the uh, smallest crew in all of talk radio here on WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. At this time in the morning when I'm going to take you to the break of dawn, we're reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bahamas which has become a sanctuary for the cryptocurrency Ponzi scammers of FTX. And Bermuda, which uh, was the first outpost that our own cousin Brucey was broadcasting from. Not New York, not Miami. It was actually Bermuda. And uh, we uh, are very proudly once again announcing we are the number one news talk station in the nation. Ratings just came out. Everyone's doing well. And that's because so many people out there are listening, not just locally or in the tri-state area, but they're listening on the app, crystal clear from all points of call all around the globe. They're listening to the stream on their laptop or their worktop computer. They're listening on their old-fashioned terrestrial radio. And they're listening in their cars, their 18-wheel tractor trailers, their vans, their trucks. And again, we thank all of you because, wow. We came back from the abyss at the very moment that John and Margot Katsimatidis made the purchase of WABC. It saved us from the scrap heat. We were so far down in the ratings, they had college stations that had surpassed us because the programming was so bad. It was infomercials morning, noon, and night. Uh, I mean, packed with commercials. Packed, even when we did have talk radio. So our previous owners and operators, Cumulus Radio, a gigantic uh, bureaucracy, was just strangling the life out of WABC that some of you grew up listening to when we were spinning stacks of wax and at the dawn of talk radio here on WABC, going back to my mentor, the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. So let's open up the phone lines because... All the hours that I do on the weekend, when WABC, the acronym, stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, a lot of it is to give you an opportunity to be heard. I never interview guests, not interested in guests. They have predetermined answers. You know, they're like politicians. Everything is scripted. I like to go freestyle with you, the callers, because you never know what information you're going to bring to the surface. There are no guests conceivably could ever share with all of us or would share with all of us, but I know that you will bring to the forefront, bring to the microphone things that many of us might have known years ago, you've reconnected to uh, uh, us with it, or you are actually introducing it to us for the very first time. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As was mentioned previously by Rita Cosby, we were all over at the annual dinner for Tunnel to Towers. Great organization. I've been involved with them 
almost since day one when they had the first tunnel to Tower Run, which takes you from Brooklyn through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel right to where the uh, new World Trade Center replaced the old World Trade Center. Uh, it brings so many people together from all over the world, but I remember how small it started out when I first got involved. So it was good to see so many people in that room in the Marriott that was packed to the roof to honor our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, on Margot's birthday, and more importantly, honor the valor of so many men and women who plunged into the belly of the beast to try to rescue their colleagues and people they didn't even know in the aftermath of the attack of 9-11, like uh, who it is dedicated to, Stephen Siller. Just a great, great organization, but I had an opportunity to leave at about 9 o'clock, had to get over here to WABC and get things in order because it's going to be all sleep all the time, all weekend long. Uh, let's tell you that I was walking down 46th Street, Times Square was packed. I could see the pickpockets and jostlers as they were about to descend like vultures and buzzards on the crowd. But then as we went east, went along West 46th into East 46th Street, yeah, so all those restaurant huts, all those restaurant huts that are still out there, not one of them was being used. It's 9 o'clock at night. Not one of them was being used. It's a weekend night, Friday. Gee, if you're not going to be using those huts on a Friday or a Saturday night, what the hell are the huts up there for? Graffiti, storing garbage, obviously a haven for rats, homeless people, dope fiends, people shooting up needles, debris, flotsam, jetsam, you name it. So just, oh, Nancy and I were looking at them and wondering, what the hell are they doing up? <laughs> we need the space in the streets. Well, that was no one. That was so glaring. Number two... As we were going uh, west towards uh, 6th Avenue, Avenue of the Americas, uh, to the north on West 46th Street, which is considered Little Brasilia, because that's where all the uh, Brazilian restaurants were, there's a Hotel 46, Times Square it's called, Hotel 46 Times Square. It's a usually a no-tell motel, not like a Holiday Inn Express, it's a dive. And we noticed this uh, broken-down yellow school bus outside that was filled with what looked like a lot of old materials. And we saw the illegal aliens getting off the bus. I don't know if they were from Venezuela or Cuba, but they were being housed in the 80 rooms of the Hotel 46 Times Square, right there on West 46th Street, at our expense. And we're looking at this, and we saw homeless people in the streets who probably were not illegals, who were probably born and raised here in America. And we're scratching our heads and we're talking to ourselves and saying, wait, I, th I thought the mayor just launched an initiative, right? Be before he flew off to Qatar to study the security at the World Cup, did he need not have studied because my own Kumbhada Chief Rudy Giuliani devised the security in Qatar years ago. He could have finally had that dinner that he has said he'd be more than happy to do, at least to Sid Rosenberg, hasn't said it to anybody else. We'll get into that later on. And obviously, with the release uh, of the Twitter, the Twitter thread about the Hunter Biden laptop bombshell that was kept from all of us by uh, the former owner and operator of uh, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who always looked like he was in a drug-induced psychosis, like a hippie, like a howly, hanging out in a beach in Oahu, smoking Maui Waui and Hindu Kush. We'll get into those details, because remember, that all came from Hunter Biden's laptop, who received Hunter Biden's uh, laptop 
who drove down there with Bernard Kerrick and picked it up in that fix-it shop where Hunter Biden had left it and obviously had forsaken it and abandoned it? It was my kumbari chich, Rudy Giuliani, who was vilified. I said, oh, he's been a tool of uh, Russian disinformation. Well, and he was just lambasted every which way. Turns out, Rudy Giuliani was right, and so many of his critics were wrong. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then also, walking over to the studios at WABC, you probably read recently how police in the Bunko Squad were raiding uh, all the illegal vendors on uh, in Chinatown on Canal Street. You know, sell the knockoff apparel, the knockoff bags. Uh, you know, everything that they can knock off is being sold on Canal Street. They picked up about $11 million of knockoff items that, you know, they're going to warehouse because obviously they can't sell it, but they got to... I got to tell you, when you put these items in a warehouse, slowly but surely, they get filtered away. Out of sight, out of mind. I mean, once you seize it and you don't want it to go back into the marketplace because it's tainted, you got to destroy it. Like right away, you don't house it in a warehouse. So some uh, some warehouse supervisor comes by and says, oh, look, it's knockoff coochie, knockoff coochie. And then they take bags out. Oh, we were putting it in private sanitation bins. Sure you are. And then it ends up right back out in the streets. Well, guess where they're selling all the knockoff items now? Right near the Fox News Channel on Avenue of the Americas. That's at about uh, 46th Street, 6th Avenue, uh, right south to Radio City Music Hall. So all they did was push it from Chinatown right on up uh, to 6th Avenue outside of Radio City Music Hall. So people getting out of Radio City Music Hall, they go, they walk across the street and it's sort of like, oh man, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. It's like a sook, <laughs> and everybody's selling knockoff goods. I mean, if you've ever been down a Broadway between uh, 23rd Street and 28th Street, it's Little Nairobi. I mean, there they're selling all kinds of knockoff tourist bags and other bags and all kinds of knockoff items. I mean, this naked city has become knockoff city. I mean, you need to have somebody walking around with you who can do verification as to whether the items you're buying, even in the stores, a legit or the real deal. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Ask 1-800-848-WABC. As the swag counterfeiters have left New York City's Chinatown very briefly along Canal Street. And they've decided to go uptown outside of Radio City Music Hall on 6th Avenue. Towards the end of the hour, uh, excuse me, towards the end of the 5 o'clock hour, because you will stay with us to the break of dawn, right on up to 6 o'clock. We will be playing different selections of music. Phantom of the Opera is extending itself. It's run to April 16th. That's great. Then we had uh, the celebration that made me want to soil myself by uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden and his crew, Kevin Perez, Rich Radabali, and a guy named Diego Diego was last seen with a, uh, a Rambo knife stabbing his 72-inch big-screen TV in his apartment because Mexico got knocked out of World Cup. Yeah, we'll be talking about World Cup, too, why I still believe the United States should have thrown the game to Iran. They should have thrown the game to Iran because we got no hope, even though in a few hours we play the Netherlands, which will be smoking ropes of dope, uh, probably having hash brownies, right? Looking at windmills, 
smelling tulips and wearing uh, wooden shoes. He'll still beat the United States, man. That's their game. It ain't our game. We should have done a solid to the Iranians who were protesting their government. Remember the Ayatollah in that first match on the pitch in Qatar against England? They lost 6-2. Remember they wouldn't sing their national anthem? And then what did the U.S. do? On our site, our soccer site, we posted an Iranian flag in advance of our match against Iran, which we won one nothing, And we put the Iranian flag without the Muslim symbol. Oh, that sure didn't go over well with the Ayatollahs. So we beat Iran on the pitch. They got to go back to Tehran. What the hell do you think is going to happen to them there? They didn't get a hero's uh, welcome. I guarantee you they'll put them in vats of excrement. They'll throw them in the gulag and they'll be beating their legs with rattans to the point that they can't walk. Oh, that, that's great of us. United, we should have thrown that game. So the Americans would have lost so that the Iranians could live one more day, right? I mean, that's the humanitarian thing to do. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And, oh, the sanctimonious hypocrite. Attorney General of the State of New York, Tish James, is. Remember, she's got only one focus, one focus only, and that is always prosecuting anyone named Trump. Any Trump business, Trump family members, and, of course, the Donald. Well, it turns out a chief of staff, Ibrahim Khan who's been with her ever since she was public advocate. Turns out he's as much a perv as Andrew Evilized Cuomo was, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. I know the Cuomos are listening there. Uh, I need my music here. I need my music. That's right. They're listening out there in the East End of Long Island to uh, radio station uh, WLAR, which is our sister affiliate. And as you know, as I told Frank McKay uh, tonight, who was there to honor... John and Margot Katsimatidis, uh, and obviously the Tunnel to Tower run at the Marriott. He's in charge of WLIR. FM stands for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, Frank Morano, and Frank McKay. <sighs> I run out of breath. But anyway, it's important we have WLIR out there because that's how Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo gets his sleeve fix, along with Fredo. Right, he's got a muscle between both ears, Chris Cuomo. And their wartime consul, Larry uh, Joe Pacoco, walks around with a Louisville slugger, Joe DiMaggio uh, autograph, and loves to uh, bust kneecaps. He loves to make them sing and ring. And, you know, he was in the news because he's going to the United States Supreme Court to challenge the verdict that put him in fed, a fed uh, camp for six years for political corruption on behalf of the... Uh, Cuomo crime family. Oh, we're going to get be getting into a lot of this. There's so much breaking news, so much that I can't even cover in the course of the day that I got to do it overnight, and especially Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. And so nice the suits let me do it twice Sunday morning from 12 to 6. I'll be on in a few hours with Anthony Weiner. Uh, it's left versus right. Uh, you may have remembered if you were listening that he told me, hey, you know, I'm a convicted felon. You know, uh, you're hanging out with me. I say, yeah, I'm hanging out with you to do a radio program. That's it. I don't socialize with you. Whoa. That stunned Anthony Weiner. Anyway, I'll be on with him. Left first, just right, three to four. And then I go solo four to five. And then naturally I come back for the overnights. And then Sunday, wow. Sundays, it's mad sleeper day. 
I'm on from 3 to 5 in the afternoon, come back from 9 to 11. Then the most uh, called into, most requested of all the hours that I do on WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour with my gorgeous wife, Animal Rescuer Nancy. And guess what? A one-hour break, Dominic Carter, who is in the house at the Marriott, again, to pay tribute to Tunnel the Tower. And I might add... Uh, to our owners and operators who are being honored there, John and Margot Katsimatidis, especially Margot on this, the birthday girl's day. Uh, he'll be on from 12 to 1. And then who's coming back? Curtis Lee was substituting for the Mameluke, Frank Morano, who's missing in action. Have no idea where Frank Morano is. All I know is he's not going to be here. And I'm going to have to do another four hours. And as I've told Frank over and over again, you give me a minute. And I told this to all my colleagues here at WABC, hosts or hostesses. Give me a minute, give me an hour, give me a day, give me a week, give me a month. I'm going to eat up your real estate, and I ain't giving it back. I'm like a Pac-Man. <laughs> the more you give me, the more I talk. I'm like a male Yenta, 24-7-365. You don't like it? Tough noogies. I'm here, and I am going to be busting a move on all of you. So let me tell you something. Don't be going to sleep on me. The worst possible thing you can do to a talk show host or hostess, fall asleep on that. I mean, you could say, oh, well, you know, I got sleep apnea, or I was listening to you the other night, and I lost a lot of sleep then, and I had to catch up this morning. No, you don't. Look, there'll be plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. I mean, that's the bottom line. There'll be plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. So my belief is I got to stay awake every given moment of the day and night. Because, you know, in my life, I can walk out the door and then all of a sudden I'll be shot like a slice of Swiss cheese. And wait a second, I got nine lives like a cat and I've used eight of them, so I'm running out of those lives. So just enjoy every minute of the, the day. Don't be sleeping your life away because all of a sudden when they fold your arms and they give you half shoes and a half suit or a half dress and they close the casket if you're not crooked because if you're crooked, uh, they can't close the casket. They'll have to bring you to the cemetery and drill you into the ground with a black and decker power drill. But the point is, this is what life is about, being awake, active, active-minded, AM, stimulating, theater of the mind. This is entertainment. I'm not going to hit you over the head with all kinds of facts and information that my fellow colleagues have repeated all day long. I'm not a Xerox copier. I'm here to entertain you. If you can learn something from it, great. Am I going to change your mind? Hell no. People who listen to talk radio, your minds are already set. You're just hoping that somebody there is going to confirm what you already felt. You're like, it's like listening to the chorus, right? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I knew I was on the right track, right? You like to hear that. I don't know why. I would like to listen to somebody who disagrees with the opinion you have. I prefer the callers who call up and disagree with the host and hostess. I don't need to have my toches kissed like some talk show hosts and hostesses where it's a form of idolatry. And by the way, uh, telephone talent coordinator Avery, your job is not to block critics and put on only sickle fans, Tony's and Lackeys. Oh, I love you guys. Oh, I, I can't wait to listen to you. Instead of somebody who goes, I hate your guts. Click. <laughs> that makes my day. 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long.
This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. During the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> I'm here to resurrect music that completes with the topics I'm talking about, which is a lead-in to our next hour where apparently people have now come to the inclusion that if you drink Diet Coke, you're part of a cult. Why? Because Elon Musk drinks Diet Coke. So does Donald Trump. So does my Kumbada Cheech that I was with tonight at the Marriott Hotel for the Tunnel to Tower Foundation annual dinner, Rudy Giuliani. And so many more. And then I understand from a little birdie, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, and Frank Morano, the Mameluke, he loves Tab. Tab. I mean, what the hell is that? Tab? What was that? That was a diet drink. I remember when I was a little kid. Tab? Anyway, we'll get into all of that. Let's go right to the phones. 1-800-848-9222. It's Robin in Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard, Robin. Hi, Curtis. Uh, last night, you were talking about what talk radio is, about interacting with the listeners. And you really failed to do that last night. In four hours, you took three phone calls. I waited two and a half hours until the show ended and did not get through. I apologize. Let me explain, Robert. I was looking at the board. We have a board here that has all the calls. Uh, I didn't see you specifically, but I saw a number of others because it was the uh, turf of Frank Morano. People were calling up about little gray aliens, UFOs, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, and it was just something about... In the wee hours of the morning, Robert, I realize he indulges in those subjects, and he's an expert on that, but I just, I I, I don't know. I, I apologize. I just couldn't go down that road. I really couldn't, Robert. All right. I'll accept your apology. See, notice no I went to you first and foremost, right? Yes, you did tonight. Thank you. Right out of the box. That's what I use, normally do, but I had a substitute for Frank last minute. Uh, and then I saw, and yeah, because this is his audience uh, the other night uh, into the morning, and it's what they like to listen to, and it's just like one of the few things I don't do in talk radio. So I, I, I was just riffing on everything. I mean, I, I was riffing on subjects. I was surprised. I mean, I went from the Model T Ford in Highland Park to Elijah Muhammad setting up the Nation of Islam, and I said, whoa, man, this is a weird trip I'm on tonight. So uh, I beg forgiveness, Robert. Mea copa, mea copa, mea maxima copa. 
I forgive you, Curtis. Well, thank you, and I'm sorry you had to wait yeah. two and a half hours on the phone. Yeah, that's okay. I got through tonight, and we straightened it out. Well, you know what, Robert? The difference was you have a professional talent uh, uh, talk coordinator in Avery who answers the phones, unlike Ken. I got to tell you, this guy who is like with Frank Morano, his show, he, he's a runway model. He's vapid. He really, he, he couldn't scratch his belly button and, and talk at the same time. He's that, that special ed. And I don't know, Frank uh, just seems to be uh, mesmerized by the guy, but he was a hor- horrible telephone talk coordinator. So uh, I know I'm blaming him. I-, I really should just fall on the sword myself, but I-, I just had to get that shot in on him, Robert. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, so, um, yes. Four weeks, four weeks ago, you had a caller named Thomas in Manhattan who was complaining about the smell of the gas. Do you remember that? The smell of? Of cats. Oh, Inside? gas? You mean like uh, gas that comes from a stove? No, cats. Oh, cats. Yeah, no, no. He he said, yeah. how could you have 18 rescue cats in your apartment, which is 328 square feet in the Upper West Side, without it stinking? He, you know, he said, it stinks. It stinks. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you had made a comment that the, uh, the feral cats will not adapt to being indoors and in my experience, I have saved many. That's not true. Ooh. I had seven of my feral cats listening to the show with me. And when they heard that, they looked at me like, that can't be us. Who is this guy? You're right. They do listen. I've got the 18 uh, when I'm on. And when uh, Nancy joins me for the Animal Welfare Hour, she has a camera. You know, when she's away, the camera records their movements. She leaves the radio on, and they're all sitting there very attentive because they can identify my voice and her voice. Oh, definitely. Now, uh, I can tell you 9 out of 10 of the ones that I've rescued have become good pets. Wow. I, you know, uh, Robert, if you could, if time permits... If you could call uh, Sunday night for the Animal Welfare Hour, I, I, I just pimped on this ride. Uh, you know, I, I, I like cats, I like dogs, but uh, Nancy is obsessed with them. I mean, that's that's her whole life. I hope there's a little time for me there. But the cats come first and foremost. Uh, you could have that discussion with her because she's had all kinds of feral cats. I remember she had this one uh, feral cat. A mama that she had raised out in uh, Sunset Park, uh, and she was taking care of mama because mama was severely injured. And the moment mama was healed of her surgery, she couldn't wait to get out the door. She was like banging up against the door, you know, like she was ready, ready to knock me over as if she were a, a fullback, you know, diving over the goal line. Anyway, let's go to Suzanne uh, in Red Bank, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Suzanne. Hi, Curtis. Thanks for taking my call. I've been uh, hearing your, you on the station lately with the different hours, and you're doing a great job, and I like the music you've been playing. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice addition to the show. Uh, I want to just comment about uh, all the talk about Kanye. I think uh, everybody's giving him too much credit saying that he's come unhinged. I think, uh, like most people in the entertainment field, 
the old adage is that even bad publicity is good publicity. So uh, I don't follow him closely to really verify how truly unhinged people say he is. But I think uh, all this talk that he's making, that, that it's just an attempt that the more sensationalist or shocking that they can be, the more they figure people will pay attention to them. And uh, I think more recently when he said he was going to run for, the, for president and wanted Trump to be vice president, I think he was just looking to get a rise out of Trump and everybody. And I can imagine Kanye bringing his posse to Miralago was uh, a ruse. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I don't think it was, uh, you're correct, I don't think it was done spur of the moment. I will tell you this, he has been uh, talking about how he likes Hitler and likes Nazis since 2018 in interviews. He's done a variety of interviews where now people are coming forward and saying, yeah, he told us that, and we asked him, are you sure you want to be identified with that? And he said, yeah, yeah, keep it in the interview. And they left it on the cutting floor. And the difference uh, is, Suzanne, he was a marketable commodity then. He was a brand name. He was hustling apparel, sneakers. He was like an industry. And he was part of the Kardashian franchise. So there were a lot of people making money off of them. They didn't want to damage that franchise because, let's face it, if if it had been published that he was uh, opining for Hitler and the Nazis, that would have been it for him. Uh, but remember, he lost the Kardashians, and then all of a sudden he started acting up. And then finally people said, you know, this guy's been talking about his love of Hitler and the Nazis for years. And everybody said, well, how come we never knew about that? Well, because he was left on the cutting room floor. But he needs help, Suzanne. And people are exploiting him even as he implodes. If he were to call up right now, let's let's assume he was in the area with his posse, uh, Milo and uh, little Nazi boy Fuentes, and all of a sudden he was to call up uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator. Hey, you know, we happen to be in the area. You know, Kanye remembers meeting Curtis in the south side of Chicago. Uh, we'd like to come on up. You better believe we let him up here. And we'd be exploiting him, Suzanne. There's no doubt yeah. about it. It's the nature of our business. What do we always say? No, Kanye, uh, we have more important things to talk about. You know, it's like everybody's going to give him airtime as he implodes because from the audience point of view, like from yourself, not necessarily you, Suzanne, but other listeners, any moment they know he's going to be like a, a railroad train, choo-choo Charlie, the engineer, smash right into the side of, of a mountain, and they want to be able to watch it or hear it or experience it live. And that's the sick part of the uh, human the human psyche. Right. But it's a part of us. It's a part of us. But we we get to choose, you know, and that's why my mom and I unplugged the TV years ago, because, you know, the reason our country's going to hell in a ham bucket or whatever they call it is because people are giving too much money to this materialistic stuff. And then they wonder why kids are doing fentanyl. And we all act like it's a surprise. Yeah, no, no, I, I commend you for cutting the cord, cutting the TV, and at least maintaining the radio, because the radio, especially the kind of uh, talk we do on AM, it's active-minded, it stimulates. you got to think about what we're saying. you got to picture it. you got to connect the dots. Uh, it's entertaining. Whereas television, Suzanne, I can't tell you, 
how many people, right, they're sitting there in their Castro convertible or their uh, Lazy Boy, and they're sleeping. How many times I visited people, and I'm there to see Charlie or Phyllis or whatever, or whatever point of view. Oh, they're in the living room, they're watching TV. And you walk into the living room, and they're sitting there. While the TV just keeps going on and on to the point when the test patterns come on. Do test patterns come on any longer? Whatever happened to the old-fashioned test patterns? You know, it reached about 2 o'clock in the morning, the test pattern would come on. And then all of a sudden in the morning, rise and shine, they play the national anthem. And then you get the farmer's report, you know, the 4-H report. Like, there were no farmers around here, but you learn what goes on in Leave it to Beaverland, Father Knows Best, Little House on the Prairie, the 4-H farmer's report. And then it was Mr. Green Jeans, remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that as if it was yesterday. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Smokey, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Smokey. Hey, Curtis. You know, I, I really appreciate what you just said about the radio. But, you know, I'm pissed off because you're, uh, some of your compatriots over there, uh, like uh, uh, Dominic, uh, I won't say his last name, but anyway, he, he just, uh, he, all he wants to talk about is Kanye. And there's more important things going on. And one of the things I want to talk about is the Sam Bankman Freed and how come he's still not in jail. You know, well, as, 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 you, as you know, Smokey, uh, that's been uh, one of my pet issues that I've uh, talked about going back weeks. The cryptocurrency Ponzi scammers, the Bitcoin bandits, the blockchain criminals, and Sam Bankman Freed. And I've always said never trust anybody with three names. It was so <laughs> obvious, Smokey. You, you just look at the guy because I profile everybody. Oh, you shouldn't profile. Look at him. He looks like he's in summer camp. And people are giving him millions of dollars, some very important, very wealthy people who want to remain anonymous because they took a hit. And you would say, yeah, how, but, how could they get suckered in by these kids? Yeah, but then he goes and gives money to all these uh, Democrats and Republicans. He gave money to Mitch McConnell. He gave money to, uh, to uh, Kevin McCarthy. And these people sabotage their own candidates, you know. I think a big part of why the Democrat, uh, the Republicans didn't do so well in the midterms is they were sabotaged by their own people. And then we find out that, oh, yeah, Sam Bankman-Free gave all this money to Mitch McConnell. Well, well he, he actually he, he went further. It wasn't just the money we knew about that had to be reported. Uh, he gave a lot of dark money to these PACs when nobody knows who gave it. He he recently acknowledged, he said, I gave a lot of money to Republicans and Democrats. You notice he hasn't been arrested yet, Smokey. Yeah, yeah. that's what pisses me off, and that New York Times is putting him up on a pedestal. It's just disgusting. Yeah, but imagine if you called him into uh, the halls of Congress, right, and you would have hearings, and uh-huh. he's sitting there, Sam Bankman-Fried, obviously with his attorney, and then someone's asking him a question, and I could easily see him saying, oh, Senator, you seem to like the money that I sent you. And then all of a sudden, what is he talking about? The dark money I sent to your PAC, right? Remember, your handler asked me to send you $5 million to the PAC, dark money so that nobody could trace it. 
Do you remember, Senator? Oh, oh, uh, no, I have no recollection. Uh, recollection. What? You, the senators would start taking the Fifth Amendment. That's right. Well, I want to know who's behind this kid because he's not smart enough to do this on his own. Well, and, let me uh, let me trace it for you, okay? So as best as I can figure it out, you have TikTok on one side run by the red Chinese Emperor Xi. And you have Binance that has a working relationship with TikTok, which is owned by Yu, uh, no, excuse me, Zhao, who is an emissary of Emperor Xi. He funded uh, Sam Bankman-Fried initially to get those Sam coins going, those Sam Bitcoins, which are now called scam coins. And he's the one who pulled the plug on Sam Bankman-Fried by cashing in all of his uh, FTX coins that caused the whole company to go Chapter 11. So you follow Xiao, you follow TikTok, and I think you'll realize that a lot of that money came from Emperor Xi in Red China. Well, okay, can I, can I just say one other thing? Because this leads me to another thing that really pisses me off, is this whole deal where we've got these courageous, heroic, people in china who are standing up to this regime they're, they finally had it with the lockdowns and they're saying no more and they're using this apple app to uh to organize and then apple goes and and just throws them to the wolves they they and, and these kids they're not just getting going to jail if they get caught their whole families are going to a gulag and apple one of the biggest com- companies in the world is turning their back on real heroic, freedom-loving people, and our government says nothing about it. Well, you, you know? see, Apple Apple benefits two ways. A, they keep the market, the huge Chinese market, which now buys a lot of the pro- uh, products in the mainland, Red China. And then when these uh, dissidents get sent into the gulags, they end up manufacturing a lot of the Apple phones uh, with slave labor. So... Uh. Yeah, they're, um, they're not going to say anything. Look at a guy like LeBron James, right? Uh-huh. Without a doubt, one of the greatest athletes to ever play basketball. The other day he was opining, how come nobody asked me from the media about the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, who they spotted in an old photograph when he was going to, um, uh, I think it was junior high school or high school at the age of 14 in Little Rock at a time where they were trying to keep the black students out. They were trying to basically keep black students from integrating the schools after the United States Supreme Court decision in 54, which said you had to integrate the schools. And he goes, you should ask me about that to the reporters. And I said, wait a second, reporters, ask him about Red China and how he won't condemn Red China because he makes millions in endorsements from Red China. Millions. Yeah, the hypocrisy is just disgusting, and it it goes across the board, both parties, and uh, and and some of your co some of your uh, coworkers over there. I mean, I, I I don't know this Dominic Carter guy, man. He just he he, he grosses me out. I'm sorry. Well, look, uh, you know, uh, not everybody is going to be in the swing of things with everybody who broadcasts here on WABC. There are some who who don't like me. They like the Mama Luke, Frank Morano. You know, I guess they like talk radio light. You know, they can't take the strong stuff. And then you got uh, guys like Sid Rosenberg, the peacock in the morning. You got to keep stroking the peacock, right? Some who don't like him. Again, there's some who don't like me.
But we have variety here at WABC. There's, there's no two people who are really similar. Sometimes we say the same things, which gives me a headache. But I can't say personality-wise we're similar. I would say the people, the two closest personalities are clearly Frank Morano and Sid Rosenberg. You know, they think the, the sun rises and sets on what they do, right? I mean, you've heard Frank Morano. You've heard uh, Sid Rosenberg. It's, they have a love fest in the morning when they when they switch from Frank's shift to Sidney's, uh, Sid Rosenberg's shift. It's like they're swapping spit. It's the self-admiration society. They pat each other so hard on the back, they both got to go for chiropractic adjustments hours later. 1-800-848-9222. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Uh, Richie Havens, oh, so good. And, you know, he had so many jingles, so many commercials he did, Amtrak. Oh, Maxwell House, was it Maxwell House? I don't know. It was one of those coffees. This guy was, like, uh, nonstop. I'll never forget, he was hitchhiking on the West Side Highway when we picked him up in the Guardian Angel vehicle. Couldn't believe it. It was Richie Havens. He goes, yeah, I'm heading down to the battery. I said, Richie, you could have taken a subway. He goes, nah, I knew people wouldn't think it's me. And then they'd stop, and then I'd talk to them, and then they'd drive me down there. I said, you're absolutely right. And he had all those rings on his fingers. Richie Havens would always have, like, all these rings on his fingers. Man, if he ever touched a live wire, he'd be like the third rail walking around. Anyway, I noticed uh, we had some guy from Howard Beach who was saying I should stop kissing up to Sid Rosenberg in the morning. Basically suggesting that uh, I'm a suck-up to Sid. Man, there's no way I'm kissing his tookers. No way. In fact, let me give you a little inside information. Enough of Richie Havens. Uh, so we're sitting there in the uh, Marriott, the big ballroom. The annual dinner to honor the recipients of the Tunnel to Life Foundation. Just great organization. Uh, men and women who were serving in the military, uh, police work, fire departments, EMTs. I mean, anybody who is out there risking their lives and gets injured, they're there pronto tanto. So every time I'd be talk, talked to by somebody in the crowd, I notice it. Sid Rosenberg would move in on Rudy Giuliani. Be sitting there. Rudy was with his son, Andrew. And so right away, Sid would be lobbying him to meet with Eric Adams. Uh, We'll call him for the purposes of uh, the time he returns from Cutter. Soccer man with no plan, right? All of a sudden, he's into soccer. He knows nothing about soccer. But, oh, I got to spend I got to spend all this time in Qatar studying security at the World Cup. Bull feathers. But anyway, so Sid moves in because he sees I'm away from Rudy, and he starts lobbying. Come on, Rudy, December 14th. You got to have a sit-down with uh, Eric Adams. Uh, the three of us will go out to dinner. It'll be some nice place. Hey, Rudy, he's telling Rudy, you pick the spot. You pick the spot. When I heard that, I did an intervention, and I said, wait a second. 
Watson, who do you think Rudy is? You think he's lost his self-esteem? Your guy, Eric Adams, your newfound friend. And then he corrected me. He said, no, 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 we used to be friends when he was a Brooklyn Borough president. I said, okay, friends then. And then all of a sudden you make up to break up, make up to break up like the stylistic sing. And now all of a sudden you're very dear friends with Eric Adams. But don't you think uh, it behooves Eric Adams to first apologize to Michael Mbaticic, Rudy Giuliani, for having called him a racist? You think uh, maybe instead of calling him a cracker and a racist, that Eric Adams ought to deal with that first and apologize to uh, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, who got a standing ovation when he was introduced to the crowd at the Marriott? Got no answer. Only thing Sid was doing is, hey, don't ruin this dinner. Mind your own business. Stop trying to break up a potential relationship. You see, Sid, who is on in the mornings from 6 to 10, Monday through Fridays, wants to be a kingmaker, wants to be able to say, hey, I did the shit off. I brought Rudy together and Eric Adams. Nobody thought that that was at all possible. It would be like the mixing of ammonia and bleach. I'm the man. It would almost be like uh, bringing Eric Adams together with Donald Trump, right? Spectacular. Because when you think of Donald Trump, you think of his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. And you say to yourself, and I thought about that. I say, yeah, that's the reason Eric Adams would not want to be associated with it, with Rudy Giuliani. So I said, Sid, why don't they do it on the hush, hush, mush, mush? Nobody's got to know about it. Oh, no. But Sid wants, you know, live at 5, Channel 7, Eyewitness News to be there. Because Sid will be like right in the middle, like Jimmy Carter was for Benachem Bacon and Anwar Sadat. Remember when they made the peace between Egypt and Israel that nobody thought was possible? But then look at what happened to Anwar Sadat. Anwar Sadat returns to Egypt. He's reviewing the troops with his sickle fans, toadies and lackeys, and his administration. Remember, he was a dictator, Anwar Sadat. It just so happens Mubarak was one of those guys. He's ducking for cover. He survives. Some of the others get killed, including Anwar Sadat. Others, others seriously injured by the Muslim Brotherhood, who had infiltrated the military, jumped off the, uh, the pickup trucks that they were riding in this parade on. And they shot Anwar Sadat full of lead, dead on arrival. Man, I'm telling you, Sid is pushing himself into this situation, man. He wants to be considered the kingmaker. He wants it thought that, hey, I brought these two guys together. Nobody else could do it except for Sid Rosenberg. You know, I'm like Jimmy Carter, the peacemaker. I deserve the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, maybe they'll do it at Camp David, right? They'll break uh, break bread at Camp David. Since that's a place where uh, Joe Biden, the president, and his wife never really go. I never hear them reporting, oh, the president's going to Camp David in Maryland, the hills of Maryland this weekend. He almost never goes there. It's either the White House, he's in the basement, or he's in the basement at his primary home in Delaware, or his beach house on the shore. Oh, so much to talk about. We got to get into this whole thing about some people believing that if you drink Diet Coke, it's part of a cult. You know, it reminds me, it's the anniversary of when Sung Young Moon, leader of the cult of the Unification Church, 
drew 28,000 people on the mall in Washington, D.C., between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Memorial. Farrakhan was there supporting uh, Sun Young Moon. And he married 28,000 couples. These were uh, brainwashed uh, zombies who had joined the Unification Church who never, ever before had met their mate or their marriage partner before that very day. The ultimate matchmaker, the ultimate shirach, was on the mall in Washington, D.C. when Sun Young Moon, with the help of Screwy Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam, married 28,000 Unification Church members. Unreal. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. who ought to mind their own business. Elon Musk, obviously, is the flavor of the day of the news cycle ever since he purchased Twitter, obviously. He had uh, set the tabloids on fire before, but never like this. It's like constant. He's uh, Elon Musk leads and others follow. He has become the replacement for Donald Trump, if you notice, because of the controversial way that he does things or his proclivities his habits, his statements. He's not bombastic like Trump, but in many ways he has replaced the image of Trump as Trump has faded down to Mar-a-Lago and is just not as active in social media as he was before because he's been banned in the USA, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, let's talk about the obsession with Elon Musk, even to the point 
of analyzing what he drinks. Now, we know that uh, the favorite drink of um, Donald Trump when he was president of the United States and on the campaign trail was Diet Coke. Uh, my very dear kumbadi Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, who I was sitting with at the Tunnel to Tower Foundation dinner at the Marriott uh, just a few hours ago, uh, drinks Diet Coke. Like uh, you'll see him doing his program at WABC Monday through Fridays, 3 to 4, and on Sundays, 10 to 11, before Dr. Jeanine Pirro. Uh, Jeanine Pirro actually was the hostess of the event tonight on behalf of the Tunnel to Tower Foundation. Did a great job. But you'll see uh, Rudy Giuliani with a can of Diet Coke. So some journalists, some members of the Fourth Estate are saying, you see, this is this is indicative of being uh, a MAGA person. You know, of, uh, of having a red mentality as opposed to a blue mentality. We're not talking the... Uh, <laughs> We're not talking Bloods and Crips here. We're talking drinking Diet Coke. I would love to hear from Diet Coke drinkers here. I'm going to read you through some of the so-called symptoms or the side effects that supposedly take place when you're addicted to uh, Diet Cola. So we see that Twitter CEO Elon Musk has an obsession with drinking Diet Coke morning, noon, and night. In fact, he had tweeted out a picture of his bedside table with several Diet Coke cans. It made him look like a a guy who had just been on a binge, you know, drinking like six packs of beer. But people would say, oh, my God. Oh, no. Musk has professed multiple times on Twitter that he enjoys Diet Coke. Oh, this is not good because, let me tell you something, drinking Diet Coke poor taste, you're wasting your time because you're putting your mark on Twitter by basically saying you're addicted to Diet Coke. It's shocking that the richest man in the earth is an effing trailer park simpleton. Because you drink Diet Coke, you're a uh, trailer park simpleton? (laughs) Someone else wrote, it pictures a man suffering from male fragility. The former Obama White House photographer Pete Souza declared Musk's favorite drink could cause psychological effects. This is Diet Coke. This isn't Hennessy or Jameson. This is Diet Coke. Too much Diet Coke can cause severe depression. Is that, in fact, true? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And believe it or not, that picture of uh, Elon Musk on his uh, bureau next to his uh, his sleeping uh, bed or whatever it is, uh, sofa, I don't know what the hell he sleeps on. But apparently that picture drove the Washington Post to do a deep dive into the hardcore Diet Coke culture. <laughs> so they did a piece that touted how Musk had something in common with the common man while arguing that those who enjoy Diet Coke were part of a cult. They are a tribe whose allegiance to the product goes beyond brand loyalty and into something more nefarious and deeper. The Washington Post piece connected Musk to former President Donald Trump and Udi Skratziada, 
Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein, who apparently uh, was addicted to uh, Diet Coke himself. You know that he ain't getting that in L.A. County uh, lockup, that's for sure. Tesla CEO Elon Musk responded to former President Donald Trump's criticism over Musk signaling his intent to withdraw from purchasing Twitter by cracking open a Diet Coke and drinking it. Unbelievable! Apparently, the Washington Post believes that a Diet Coke provokes more outrage than maybe even committing an assault and battery on somebody. Man. Another person said, the Diet Coke is for psychos with no taste. Psychos with no taste. Oh, my God. A writer declared the caffeine-free Coke was worse than blankety-blank maggots and scum. Ultimately, it is for freaks and losers. So it's no surprise that Elon Musk apparently can't get enough of Diet Coke. Wow. (laughs) This is Diet Coke. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, I've never been a Diet Coke drinker. I tasted it one time, and I went, yeah. Because, yes, I must admit, I was at one time addicted to Coca-Cola. And there's no substitute for Coca-Cola. You know, yeah, Pepsi-Cola, nah, sorry, that that's Coca-Cola light. Man, I was a hardcore Coca-Cola addict. I would drink 248 ounce bottles of Coca-Cola every day, one in the a.m., one in the p.m. It was like an IV. You could put it in my veins, and my veins would just suck up the Coca-Cola, and it couldn't get enough. That I understand, that addiction. No doubt about it. I was was hopelessly addicted. And I'm sure there are people out there who are hopelessly addicted to good old-fashioned Coca-Cola. Not zero Coke, not flat Coke, Not new Coke. What the hell did they ever do that for? Man, I almost wanted to impale myself when I... I, What? You're changing the formula? I'll have to go cold turkey. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Just to stimulate our many listeners out there, let's, in fact, travel in a time machine and play uh, Broadway Bill Lee. The old Coca-Cola song. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. to memories look there's no doubt about it my favorite my passion 
I had to go cold turkey from drinking two 64-ounce bottles of Coca-Cola each and every day. And I see the registered dietitians have recommended consuming no more than one can of Diet Coke per day, given the high amount of artificial sweeteners, 200 milligrams of aspartame to be exact, because it can trigger sugar cravings, bloating, and other gastrointestinal imbalance. Yeah, yeah, you get bloated. You drink soda, you get bloated, no doubt about it. But it's not stopping die-hard Diet Coke lovers. Take, for example, Teresa. She lives on the Upper East Side. She's 33 years old. She walks up to 10 miles a day, goes meat-free at lunch, and does intermittent fasting, resulting in her losing pounds in a healthy way. But try as she might, she's still hooked on Diet Coke. Though she bought a soda stream to kick her artificially flavored zero-calorie habit, she only managed to wean herself down from 12-ounce cans per day to two. Four to two. Quote, I'm a Diet Coke addict. I admit it. First step is admitting you have a problem. This is nuts. She keeps her pantry stocked with mini cans to satisfy her cravings. Her apartment walls are adorned with old Diet Coke ads. And even her Christmas tree is hung with a glittery can. Once or twice a week, I'll head to McDonald's for some fizz on tap. Fountain Diet Coke is the best of all of life. Oh, my God. You talk about an obsession. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to David in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. Good morning, Curtis. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. I... I can't really empathize with the whole soda thing because I do know, not that I'm pure as wind-driven snow, with the global warming coming, ha-ha, drinking soda isn't healthy for us. But I have my curiosity on this one thing. I thought that the initial communist media repetition outrage was because of the alleged inanimate objects that were, ironically enough, to the far left of the diet soda cans on uh, Mr. Musk's bedside table. And by the way, if I can, Curtis, if you can, please send Joel Santisteban to get gun grabber Krispy Kreme Chris Christie's comments regarding Mr. Musk's bedside table minus the diet soda cans. Merry Christmas, everybody. No, thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, Yes. Yes, yes. Happy Hanukkah, too. Uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Happy all that. Get out of here. I'm not going to go through that whole litany of things. He's right. A blast from the past. Joe Santisteban used to be part of the program Minorities with Priorities on the weekends. And his co-host was, who else? James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snardley. Joe Cubano. And wait a second, wait, wait, I'm getting them mixed up now. Joseph Easterman, Cubano, and naturally James Golden, African-American. Let's see. Joseph Easterman was from uh, Lawrence, five towns. He went to Lawrence High School there. He was a big football star, baseball star. And he headed our traffic department for years at the old WABC and then would do this show on the weekends. 
Minorities with Priorities with James Golden at the time, who was the producer and phone screener for the Rush Limbaugh show, who was from southeast uh, Jamaica, had gone to Jackson High School. So they were two local guys. It was a good combination. And then Joel Santisaban retired, and he went to Florida, and I've not heard from him since. If anybody uh, out there knows of Joel, he was such a part of WABC. I forgot we should have had him invited to the 100th anniversary. Shame on me. Uh, Have him give us a call. That's a great blast from the past. You know what I used to do, uh, Broadway Bill Lee and uh, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator? Uh, I used to say to Joe, because Joe would, like, run through a wall. I said, Joe, I want you to be my field correspondent at night. I was on the nights at that time from, like, 7 to 10. And I would send him into the roughest, toughest neighborhoods. I sent him into East New York to the projects uh, there in Cypress Hill uh, and told him to go to the rooftops and start screaming around at people. Yeah, go ahead. Bring your pit bulls up here now and start pitting them against one another. And they did. I sent him over to Highland Park in East New York and said, you got to go into the uh, empty reservoir, the old abandoned reservoir, because there were wild dogs in there. And they chased them out. They almost killed them. I used to purposely figure out locations that I had experienced life-threatening circumstances and sent him into those circumstances, hoping that something horrible would happen to them and we could make news, right? You get a double hit. And I always promised Joel Santisteban, God forbid anything happened to him, I would give him the best eulogy that ever anybody ever had in talk radio. And then lastly... I sent Joel Santisteban into Strawberry Fields for the anniversary of the execution assassination of John Lennon in the shadow of the Dakota building on 72nd uh, Central Park West. And he was in uh, Strawberry Fields, and this guy attacked him. <laughs> he had his mic, uh, mic out for WABC. And the guy says, I hate WABC, and started wrestling with Joel Santisteban Right there at Strawberry Fields. You know, where it's supposed to be peace, love, and happiness. Oh, those were the days. That was Theater of the Mind. That was creative uh, radio. That was radio, spontaneous radio, life-threatening radio. I remember Joel Santistapon's wife uh, used to threaten me, say, if you, we've got kids, you're going to get my husband killed. we got kids we got to put through college yet. You want to kill him? Do it after they get they graduate from college. Whoa! Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Ed, who's calling from St. James. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Ed. Uh, hi, Curtis. That was a great story, man. You had your own test animal there, and uh, <laughs> it's very cruel. But I want to talk about another test animal. Um, I did research on. Um, aspartamine, sorbitol, sucralose, and other um, artificial sweeteners. And they were proven to be uh, carcinogenic in, um, in um, test animals, uh, notably uh, rodents. And, uh, you know, they, they, we use, and my sister actually worked on um, um, some sort of medicine to try and find the cure of um, epilepsy. And, uh, because rats are similar as us, they used to study them, uh, the tests on them, 
in, in the lab. And uh, that's one thing we need to stay away from is Diet Coke. And the Coca-Cola company hired their own research, like a cigarette, the tobacco industry, to say, it's not harmful for you. Go ahead. But uh, humorous stories, and uh, I'll take your answer off the line. Thank you, Curtis. Well, wait, wait, hold on a second. You're the expert. You did a paper on this. I want to ask you, because let's face it, Diet Coke, out of all the diet sodas that are sold, I would say is probably the best-selling. And there's so many different forms of Diet Coke now. When I've uh, gone into the supermarket, uh, I recall at least maybe 8 or 12 different forms of uh, Diet Coke. But I will tell everybody this. I want them to take a test, particularly if they're soda drinkers or they have soda laying around, uh, you know, in the basement or in the refrigerator or wherever. You take a can, or better yet, let's see If you take a can of regular Coca-Cola, the old-fashioned Coca-Cola, not their knockoffs, and you put it in the tub and you fill up the tub with water, you know what happens to that can of Cokehead? Uh, I would guess it probably would explode or something, maybe? No, no, it sinks. It sinks to the bottom of the tub. Okay. Now, if you take a can of Diet Coke, Let's say the original Diet Coke. Yeah. Uh, and you put it in that tub. Do you know what happens? It'll float. Right. Now, why does it float whereas the can of Coca-Cola sinks to the bottom and the Diet Coke floats? Well, something about the chemical com- composite of the um, of the soda, I guess, of the uh, artificial stuff. That, that's my summarization. Now, I would uh, say, and I never liked the uh, taste of any diet sodas because I I was totally addicted to Coke. But would you say that the diet Coke is maybe more acidic than the regular Coke? Well, we know this for a fact. If you manage by purpose or, uh, you know, uh, just happenstance to spill Coke on the paint of a car, it'll, it'll immediately start dissolving, which the acidity means... Yes, it definitely reacts. Can you imagine what that will do to your innards? No, man, that's that's just wrong. That shouldn't be taken in. And especially, uh, I mean, I'm talking about regular soda. Forget the, that diet stuff, man. That is, that's toxic. Now, is it possible? I remember years and years ago, I was a teenager. Um, I, I had to go to a dermatologist because, man, I had acne all over my face. It was just like traveling like wildfire. And yeah. the dermatologist said, you know, if you have excessive soda consumption, whatever it is, you have an increased risk of developing those facial blemishes. I remember I used to take bad baths in Clearasil, and it didn't do anything. Yes, sir. So yeah. no, drink- because it's all it's all internal. It's that's coming out. That's what you see on the surface. That's the end result. There's no way you're putting a topical solution on on acne and it's going to cure it. You know, I, I know these guys, and I forget, I forget what the medicine is called. But w- when you take it, you can't drink or smoke for like a month when you're taking it, and it's in- internal, and that'll cure the acne. I've I've had people with uh, friends with severe acne, and they take this medicine, and Sure enough, it works. But putting that stuff on, whatever it's called, Clearasil, it, it, no, that's like 
just trying to, it's like wearing makeup, you know, you can't, uh, it's not, it's not the fix to the, the problem. Now, other than going cold turkey, Ed, is there a way to wean off of whether it's Diet Coke or Diet uh, Soda products or like Coca-Cola or other similar forms of soda by drinking one form of soda and slowly weaning off of it? I I think, and I'm a big fan of this, uh, uh, natural flavored seltzer, you know, because you're still getting the, uh, like you said before, the fizz, and you can just convince your brain, yeah, I'm taking it, you know? And I'm sure that has something that's similarly, similar, sorry, tongue-tied, like, uh, what's that, uh, sarsaparilla, something that's similar to that, you know, something natural. And what causes uh, what causes the bloating? People uh, feel bloated when they drink uh, a soda. I I always felt bloated. The, the carbon carbonized uh, uh, um, whatever it is that 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 element you know it's the, uh, the carbon dioxide carbon it can't be carbon dioxide whatever it is that that'll cause the gas you know it just that'll keep you bloated and then you won't eat. So a lot of people drink say hey I'm gonna have a diet soda instead of having a a proper meal, you know, and uh, seltzer, I guess, could do the same thing, but everything in moderation, Curtis, you know, we try and just get by another day, you know, self-preservation kicks in. Hmm. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Ed, uh, that addiction that I had, I wonder if they have, like they have for alcoholics, AA, uh, for dopamines, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. I wonder if they have, like, Coca-Cola Anonymous, uh, since it's still the best-selling uh, uh, cola, best-selling uh, soda. I wonder if they have, like, Coca-Cola Anonymous or Soda Anonymous or people who uh, find it very difficult to kick that habit. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. wonder what it is in the product of Diet Coke that is so addictive, uh, unlike the uh, normal Coke, which we obviously know is not diet at all, having been addicted myself many, many years of drinking uh, upwards of 248-ounce bottles of Coca-Cola on each and every day. Hmm. Many people have said that folks who drink Diet Coke have an insatiable uh, thirst just to keep drinking more and more Diet Coke. Let's go to Rose, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rose. 
Good evening, you beautiful soul. I want to just spill a few beans that happened back in the days of Ronald Reagan. He had a guy by the name of oh, um, aspartame, um, Rumsfeld. And Rumsfeld was the one who came up with this particular type of sweetener. Actually, it's from some chemical monstrous thing. I have had glaucoma, and I had a, had a hand injury. And one day, I went to my local shop right and bought some Colombo yogurt because it was on sale. I eat the yogurt, and it's got aspartame in it. And Dr. Leary took over my eye things, and the next day, I took it back to the store. And I said, I had a reaction to this. And the guy said, oh, I have a friend who's had a head injury, and he's been told to go to the hospital if he has an adverse reaction to aspartame. This stuff was cooked up as a poison to make people believe they're going to get skinny. And I had some very wonderful young people who worked with me as a blind person who drank this stuff, and they were totally addicted to it. I said, you've got to get off of that. Mm. You know, it is poison. Mm. You cannot take you know, stuff that military uses to poison people and then put it into the public domain and say, oh, you're going to stay nice and skinny. You're beautiful as you are. If you put on a couple of pounds, go out there and do a little walking and running and cross-country skiing. Get the fat off that way. What we need to do now, we have to have a little bit of a strike. We can take honey and lemon and herb teas and then put a shot of seltzer or Perrier if you you know, feeling French or there are other wa uh, waters from Italy that are very rich in um, carbon monoxide gas. Spain has them. You know, people would be at the bar saying, give me a glass of seltzer. They need to belch up the carbon dioxide, which is naturally occurring in the water, not pumped in with a nerve agent that's going to addict you. And I was always so happy to see you on the trains when I was back in the 70s and 80s living in Manhattan. Mm. And we have things going on today which make me so sad because one night I'm going – I'm all dressed up. And i got a fur on, and I'm going to a party. I'm going to go to the Astor Place, and some kids come in from the train next to me, and I look at my neighbors who are at the other end. And they're like, I can smell the fear in these people. And I smiled at the boys, and I said, it's Saturday night. Where are you going? And they said, we're going to go to the movies. Has he got something picked out? They said, no, not yet. We're going to go check them out. I said, well, you do that and have a wonderful evening. These people were afraid of being mugged because they weren't treating these young people as human beings. And I just can't – I'm not going to say this is going to work with your mental health cases, but it seems that the current mayor doesn't have it together too well. Um, we can't give up our civil liberties. We have to treat people with a little more kindness and a smile and, hey, it's Saturday night. Where are you going? I'm going to a party. I'm looking great. i got a fur on. i got – the Fendi bag. I didn't have a lot of gold on, so I wasn't afraid of being robbed. But the other, my neighbors there in the train were afraid. This mm. is after you kind of hung up. Sure. But hey, when we can be nicer to our people surrounding it, smiling and giving people the, the respect that they deserve, and, and not have them all cranked up on this, you know, aspartame or whatever, we're going to have a much more calm society. Well, I will tell you this. Uh... Generally, you drink Coca-Cola, you drink Diet Cola, you start shaking like a leaf if you drink too much. You're not going to be very calm. Although I remember there was a period of time, and maybe some folks out there remember, brief time, that the most popular diet soda in America was not Diet Coke. It hadn't come along yet. It was a Coca-Cola product called Tab. <laughs> 
You remember, Tab? Oh, yeah. It's been discontinued, and Frank Morano is addicted to Tab. He is like, he, he goes out of his mind trying to find Tab. But Tab, in fact, I remember the commercial. It was like it was uh, yesterday, the Tab commercial. If you could go to 12. 12. One calorie tab. I I think um, I think actually tab was created uh, hopefully so that diabetics would have a safe soda that they could drink, and people who had cardiovascular problems. I think that was the reason. As you can imagine, I was not a tab guy at all. I was not a tab guy at all. No way would you catch me with a can, a tab. That had a certain connotation. You saw a guy drinking tab, weak, soft. Man, that was somebody who was going to get picked on. You know, that was considered a girly drink, right? What? You're drinking a tab? That's not a man's man's drink. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Glenn calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Glenn. Hello, Curtis. Um, Back in the day, I heard from another radio show host who said that Diet Coke has a mood stabilizer in it. The, The diet, he was an epidemiologist, and he said that the Whatever diet stuff they put in there is a mood stabilizer. Hmm. A mood stabilizer. Correct. Wow. He was an epidemiologist. I know you, you probably know who he is. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. That's uh, Wiener. No, not Anthony Wiener. Yes. Yes, correct. From, uh, where is he from? Uh, Savage. Queens, right? Savage, Queens? right. He uh, grew up in Queens. He went to Jamaica High School, high on the hill, and then he went to Queens College. Then he went out uh, to... Hillcrest. Right. That, Maybe Hillcrest? No, I think he went to Jamaica High School on the hill. Uh, All and, right. And then he went to Queens College, and then he uh, he ended up out in Fiji, uh, somewhere in the yeah. uh, those islands... He said that the Diet Coke's got a mood stabilizer in it. Maybe that's why they're gravitating towards that? Hmm. Well, that is uh, that is a potentiality. Uh, it could be. Why do you think that Frank Morano is motivated to drink Tab? He's got to go out of his way to find Tab because Coca-Cola, <laughs> Coca-Cola has discontinued uh, I, putting Tab out I on the marketplace. Yeah, hey, I can't answer that. I don't know about him. You know what I mean? But I do know you. I know how you are. But uh, I yeah, no, no, I, I was, I was, I was seriously addicted to regular Coca Cola. Regular Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the diets, but uh, it keeps you awake. It keeps you awake. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what you use it now, but 
you're doing something right because you're awake all the time. Yeah, no, I don't drink any uh, soda whatsoever. None because of uh, it bloats you. Um, it just you crash. You know, before you get that that, that mood elevated, so to speak, uh, before you get energized by soda, you crash because there's so much sugar in cola. Correct. Yeah. So you actually. Well, you you actually get, get low energy before you get high energy, and then you have to binge on the uh, soda. you got to keep drinking the soda uh, in order to maintain the energy level. And it, it's just, um, it, it feels weird. But I, I, I'd love to be able to ask somebody if uh, I ever drank tap. Why would anybody drink tap? If he had all those other choices. You know what I think, uh, Frank Morano, he likes to be a contrarian. Just likes to be different than everybody else. Because nowadays, in order to get tab, and I don't know where he gets it from, it's in the soda graveyard. It's been retired. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. In fact, I'll never forget. My cousin, Lenny Beans Bianchino, uh, gave me a bottle of Pepsi-Cola. It's always tasted better in bottles, Coca-Cola, any soda. It's always better in a bottle. The old-fashioned, heavy bottle that if you picked it up, it could be uh, lenses in a glass. Always the best uh, taste. But then I'd see those commercials, especially with Michael Jackson. Remember Michael Jackson, Moonwalk? Uh, glitter, wearing glitter, and then the glove. And he'd be promoting the choice of a new generation Pepsi. to tell you, when they signed up Michael Jackson to do those uh, commercials on TV, Moonwalk, you know, the fedora on his head, the, the glove and the glitter, I remember going to the Pepsi-Cola bottling plant, which was right on, I think it was Foster Avenue or Avenue D, and Rockaway Parkway. And, I mean, they were moving pallets full of Pepsi. I mean, it was selling like mad because the marketing campaign had made you believe that 
when you when you were young, you drank Pepsi, almost like Coca Cola was for an old, more mature individual, an Altacaca, because it had a stronger taste. Pepsi was a light taste. And then I go over to the Coca-Cola bottling plant, uh, and that was right on Pennsylvania Avenue and Linden Boulevard, old-fashioned building. And they were always moving a lot of product. But they had, for a time, uh, I don't know if you were familiar, Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, Tropical Fantasy Punch. Tropical Fantasy Punch which was like the low-budget soda. You know, you find it in the hood in the bodegas. And then all of a sudden there was an urban myth that Tropical Fantasy Punch or whatever flavor, especially the one that looked like you could uh, you could actually throw it on your windshield and clean it. It had that blue look to it. That it was actually the clan that was benefiting from it, and they would show you a picture. It looked like... Puritans or pilgrims on a ship, I believe, and it had like KKK or something like that. I don't know. Maybe they misinterpreted the K for kosher, whatever it was. But Tropical Fantasy Punch, which was like in the hood, man, it was like champagne. You couldn't give it away after that. People thought they were supporting the Klan. Anybody remember that? I remember they were returning crates of it. They couldn't sell it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Raul, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Raul. Curtis, how you doing? I just wanted to uh, mention a documentary called Sweet Misery. It tells you everything about how aspartame came to the market, and the person that pushed it uh, was Donald Rumsfeld. He's the one that pushed it through. Right, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, sir. Try to get your your mouth closer to the receiver so we could hear you more. Because I think you're talking on the uh, uh, conference call line. Oh, hold on a second. Uh... Yeah, see if you can maneuver yourself. I, I don't know if you're in the shower stall. I don't know if you're in the hallway. I don't know if you're on the fire escape. But uh, you're not coming in crystal clear. He's gone. What, did he jump out the window, uh, Avery, on telephone talent coordinator? I didn't mean for him to go to that extent to try to uh, get a signal on his cell phone. Boy, that guy's a fanatic. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Danny in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Hello, Curtis. How are you? I've had better days, Danny. Yeah, join the club. Anyway, I wanted to tell you what aspartame is. Aspartame is put in a lot of things. Aspartame is ant poisoning. What is that, like raid? Like like, uh, items that you would use uh, to kill ants? That's right. Wow. That's that's what aspartame is. Hmm. And I want to tell you something, Curtis. You're a gift to the American people. Oh, my, oh my. I'm a gift to the American people, and I've been unwrapped. Where can you take me? Do they have a wrapping section in Macy's Herald? You're going to wrap this gift, right? A gift. Do I get to return it? Is there a return uh, window at Macy's Herald? 
You know, sometimes I'd like to return myself. I really would. Let's go to Tony and Clifton. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony. Hi, Curtis, honey. Listen, I'm going to tell you how I would handle the Coca-Cola situation. Okay? You're, you're got to go into detox because you can't have Coca-Cola in the house. That's mm. number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, Coca-Cola syrup is something that, if you remember when you were younger, if you got nauseous, they gave you a little Coca-Cola syrup. Or maybe even if you had a hangover, it took away the nausea. So you're going into Coca-Cola detox, nothing in the house. You keep some Coca-Cola syrup, and you can have some in a shot glass, and you can have a little uh, seltzer water, and you can have like a, a chaser. But you cannot buy Coca-Cola. Wow. I say you got to go hardcore cold turkey. You got to go hardcore. You could do this on your own, or they could put you in a detox center. A detox center for (laughs) Coca-Cola? Because the stuff that's in it is really dangerous, and we want to keep your innards good. Yeah, well, I don't don't drink it any longer. Remember, I had colitis, ileitis, chronic Crohn's disease, Got shot five times with hollow point bullets. My stomach is uh, is Michigan. So, yeah, no, I don't drink soda of any type any longer. But for a while there, man, I was addicted. So say it's a holiday and everybody's drinking and you don't know what to have. You could get a little Coca-Cola syrup and club soda chaser. Chaser. I will tell you this. I remember as a kid being sent to the local candy store luncheonette by my mommy. Uh, and she said, uh, doctor said, the best thing for your strep throat, Curtis, because, you know, I was staying at home milking it, is you got to get raw Coca-Cola syrup. Coca-Cola syrup will get rid of that strep throat. I didn't want to get rid of the strep throat. I was enjoying staying home and not going to school. She got to bring back the container, and they'd have it in the... In the uh, what do you call that to you? That white foam. A white foam glass. Can't think of it right now. Styrofoam glass. So they put it in the styrofoam cup, and it would be pure Coca-Cola syrup, and then they put a, a, a top on the styrofoam cup. You would take it home. You'd keep it in the refrigerator, and you would take little teaspoons out, and it would knock that strep throat out. Yeah. Coca-Cola syrup. And then I, I found out that, oh, man, it had that cocaine in it, raw coke in it, many, many years ago. That's why people were so addicted to it. Anyway, let's go to Lou's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. Yes, Curtis, as I explained to your call screener, I was a second-generation Pepsi-Cola employee, so Coca-Cola was banned in my house. I left... <laughs> 37 years old, I had my first Coca-Cola, and then I realized that's why they're number one. What was the difference in terms of uh, your taste buds, Your uh, the, what you tasted, the difference? Pepsi is flat and syrupy. Coca-Cola was much more refreshing, more carbonation. You know what? It my is, own feeling. Uh, there are times uh, years ago when I was still drinking Coca-Cola. I'd walk into a bodega because I needed my fix, and I would see, oh, wow, the old-fashioned little bottles, Coca-Cola. Yeah, they come from Mexico. 
Yeah, with no fizz in it, flat. Oh, oh really? Yeah, they're horrible. Oh my God! You would think, oh, there it is, the old fashioned Coca Cola in the old fashioned bottle. You're right; they came from south of the border, Mexico, but they yes, got no fizz. Yes, and they use pure cane sugar. Yeah, they no. Use the high fructose. No fizz. Oh, without the fizz, it's really? not Coca Cola. And one other thing, I think the first diet cola was Diet RC. I think it was before Tab. So you mean Royal Crown Cola, Diet Royal RC? Crown. Yes. Yes. And then there was CNC Cola. There was Coco Rico. Oh, there was Jolt Cola. I spent uh, I spent uh, almost forty years in the uh, the soda industry with the. Uh, no, I spent twenty two years with Pepsi Cola, and my father predated me for another twenty years. <laughs> Wow. And what was the uh, what was the product you had, the Pepsi-Cola product that just did not move, that eventually they discontinued? Uh, Crystal Pepsi. Crystal Pepsi. That was one of them. And what was Crystal Pepsi? It was the same thing with no coloring. Oh, so people wanted the coloring. Yeah, well, it didn't look like a cola when it was clear. <laughs> <laughs> what possessed them to think that people would buy that if it didn't look like a cola? What possessed uh, Coca-Cola to come out with new Coke? That, that was the best. That was the best summer in sales I ever had in my career at Pepsi, because people just ran away. Yeah, I remember. I had to go uh, OD on that, and yep, I remember drinking some Coca-Cola then, and Royal Crown Cola, and all the knockoff colas. And I was desperately searching for a cola because new Coke was horrible, horrible, horrible. Well, they tried to uh, copy Pepsi, and let's face it: if you if you love Coke, you're not drinking Pepsi. If you love Pepsi, you're not drinking Coca Cola. That's just the way it is. It's like politics. Now, if given the choice, like uh, you're starting a, a youngster on drinking either Coca Cola or Pepsi, what do you think they would go for if given the chance to sample both? I think they would go for Pepsi because it's sweeter. But I wouldn't recommend uh, any soda for anybody anymore. Wow. Anymore. I, have, I haven't I have had a soda, aside from a ginger ale, in probably 15, 20 years. Oh, well, that's, uh, I remember, they used to give you ginger ale for a tummy ache. In the lime, in the coconut, they give you a ginger ale for a tummy ache. I'm sure people remember that. And, yeah, you could take Coca-Cola syrup, and it would resolve your tummy ache. Yeah, old school ways. That's right. It had to be Canada Dry ginger ale. Not just any ginger ale. It had to be Canada Dry ginger ale. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I remember I was in uh, the Ramparts in Los Angeles, MacArthur Park there, battling MS-13. And they had this uh, soda that tasted like Jello. I said, what the hell is that? Something like Big Red or Red Pops that came out of Texas, San Antonio. Anyway, it was like, tasted like Jello. 
I said, wait, wait, where'd you get this? And then actually, I, I was figuring it was from Mexico, like half the products here in Los Angeles. And it turned out that it was from Texas. We'll keep talking about this. If you remember what I'm talking about, please educate me on that. I was drinking it and I'm saying, this tastes like jello. And by the way, it tastes horrible when it's hot and warm and then it's sticky. Yuck! Man, I've been so many sodas. And now I can't even look at a soda without all of a sudden belching. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Drink Diet Coke. Free to join the cult, as it is stated in the Washington Post. The cult of Diet Coke drinkers led by Elon Musk. Donald Trump and Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, and then there are those like myself who grew up weaning on Coca-Cola. Oh, there is that Frank Morano. Oh, that Mama Luke. The contrarian that he is. What is he like? Tab. Tab. Ah! But, oh, he said, oh, uh, if I can only find one last tab in this world. Discontinued production and poor Frank Morano cries himself to sleep in the wee hours of the morning because he's addicted to tab. What kind of a man would want to be seen with a can of tab? Oh, my God. That's something like three snaps up RuPaul in Drag Race would be drinking, right, Tab? So good. So good, this song. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I promise I'll make up by having substituted for that Mama Luke Frank Morano, who knows where he is, for the four hours till the break of dawn. There's 24 hours ago when I took almost no calls. According to our very first caller out of the box, I took only three calls in four hours because it was a Frank Morano audience. How do I know it was a Frank Morano audience? 
All the calls, I want to talk about UFOs, little gray aliens, Sasquatch, Bigfoot. I said, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. So I avoided taking calls. But now I have the Curtis Sliwa, the best of the other side of midnight callers and listeners. And now I feel I'm in freestyle form. Yeah, I saw a few of them tonight. Such a good song. What a great song. Great, great, great. You know, you want to deport uh, Captain Kirk. I want to deport Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, back to Canada. But not Neil Young. No, not Neil Young. Neil Young, right here. Right here, Neil Young. So good. Yeah. Yeah. This is the theme of our broadcast this morning. Elon Musk on the warpath. He's opening up Twitter to almost everyone except for Kanye West. He's put him on the shelf again. And though he's not excommunicating him, uh, he is uh, suspending him for having a swastika embedded into a Star of David. It didn't matter what Kanye said. No, 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 no. It was the swastika in the Star of David that has earned him his suspension. He's on the shelf. But he'll be back soon with more vile anti-Semitism because the guy is like off the hook. Totally off the hook. Let's go to the phones, though. And it is, uh, hmm, Cat calling all the way from Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cat. Oh, thank you so much. So I was I was responding to the whole issue about the, the Diet Coke, like Coke in general. So I grew up in 60, I was born in 63 and in Massachusetts. And we used to have a, like, a, we, we didn't call it like soda. We call it tonic. So we had a tonic man that used to come once a week and he would like in the bottle, like, like the glass bottles in from Stoneham, Massachusetts, they would make all the, all the tonic that we wanted, all the soda that we wanted, you know, Coke, root beer, orange, ginger ale, sarsaparilla, whatever. Now, let me ask you, let me ask you, uh, let me ask you a question, Kat. Is that where the term gin and tonic came from? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I never understood. Like, I, I, I went to college in upstate New York. So the whole, like, that was the whole joking thing. Cause I used to say, Oh, do you want, like, if we were studying and we want to take a break and get a soda, I was like, Oh, does anybody want a tonic? And they're like, What are you talking about, tonic? I don't know. Well, that's a, really that's know. an interesting point, Kat. Where did that term gin and tonic come from? Maybe Kat's on to something that Massachusetts up in New England, I've heard that before, they call it tonic. Like, what tonic? What are you talking about, tonic? It's soda. Uh, 
But I wonder if that's where that term gin and tonic comes from. Uh, I'll take a gin and tonic. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Billy in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Billy? Uh, Billy in East Village? Yeah, it's me. Um, yeah, um, so I had a, a, a long-term girlfriend who was having panic attacks, and she was drank a lot of uh, Diet Coke. And, well, I listened to Gary Knoll, uh, and he had hit one of his best friends as a neurologist, a top of his class at Harvard, uh, and was suggesting that uh, aspartame is the cause of her, you know, well, it causes brain seizures, basically, and it's not a good thing. You you can get the same, you can sweeten up, I don't know why, and no Coca-Cola or any soda company has not jumped on, you could sweeten up. Uh, all the colas without, you know, using sugar with with aspartame uh, with with um, the uh, non-caloric uh, stevia. It's a it's a it's an herb and it's actually good for you. Why don't they do that? That's what I'm wondering about. All right. So now, uh, I guess you're referring to what is considered to be maybe the main ingredient and what causes such addiction, the aspartame, or... I don't, I, I don't know if it's addiction, or, but it's... But it's uh, well, it, it's sweeter. It's, 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 supposedly, it's supposedly sweeter than sucrose, sugar, and I don't find that. Uh, when, uh, when I would drink a Dicota, it was like, ugh. Yeah, ugh well, bland. It's it like, yeah, because, because it's, it's a drug. <laughs> it is a drug. You know, all drugs are bitter in some way, but uh, oh, anyhow. So you consider but, but that. It, you consider I, it, it's that I, that is the addictive uh, uh, quality of the diet coke. It also causes, it causes brain seizures, and it's bad for it. There, stevia is a natural herb that doesn't do that, and it's actually good for you besides that. And But but I don't know why, like, a, like some Coca-Cola, you know, some cola company doesn't use stevia and advertise this does not cause brain seizures, and it doesn't cause, you know, it's calorically nil, and and it's actually good for you in other ways. It has other properties that are good for you. Why doesn't anybody do that? Uh, maybe maybe because it's not a chemical that they can patent, and they can't make a lot of money from it. I don't know. But I think it would be, I think they should. That's, Somebody that's, should do that's that. very plausible. That's very plausible, Billy. That's some damn good advice out there. And, and speaking, as a reformed Coca-Cola addict, man, I had the Jones bad. Two 48-ounce bottles of Coca-Cola a day. You could have turned them upside down, had an IV screwed into me, and put it into my vein. And I would have been sitting there while the Coca-Cola was draining into my system. Man, I was hopelessly addicted. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John in Brentwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Johnny? Hello, Curtis. It's a great honor to be speaking with you tonight. Um, I get uh, some very interesting information, I believe, on the, what Coca-Cola and uh, and regular di- and the Diet Coke do. I've read extensively uh, in the Internet recently and they just happen to be interested in the subject. And basically, where the culprit is coming in and the addiction 
is when you drink a, a, a can of a regular Coke, a can of Coke has a proc, if you read the side of the can, I believe it says there's 34 grams of carbs in there. Now, the science behind carbohydrates and sugar, okay, the addiction is when, you do, when, when a carbohydrate is in any product, you can look at any box of food you eat, anything you eat, for every four carbs that are on a label, that converts into four teas, one teaspoon of sugar in your body. This is the science. So you, sugar is, if you read the science, I, want, I read the Internet, a doctor called Stephen Grundy. Okay, and if you look up him and look up some of the knowledge that's come out in the past two years, when you when you get uh, the, the carbs that actually convert into the sugar, the addiction is coming from basically sugar. Sugar is more addictive than crack cocaine. Okay, and basically what happens is when you're drinking, when you go like let's say a guy goes into a donut shop. I'm not going to name any companies. You go into the local you know what shop, donuts. So you go in there and you buy, let's say, one of those big uh, chocolate chip muffins. If you read the, the information, if you go to the website and you read how many carbs are in one of those little, one of those big muffins, the muffin has 88 carbs. You convert 88 carbs divided by four. For every four carbs, grams of carbs, that converts into 22 teaspoons of sugar. When you drink in a Coke, you see, the, like you, you talk about the McDonald's back in the day. When you drink in a large, a 32-ounce Coke, every, there's, there's, about, you know, there's, so, there's about so much sugar that converts. And what happens is the brain is addicted to the sugar and the caffeine. And what happens is the whole industry of Coke, Pepsi, and the difference in Coke and Pepsi, one has citric acid. And the other one has a, a pathonic acid. There's two different acids. If you read the can, if you dissect each word and you look up each word of what you're, eat, what you're drinking and what you're eating, what happens is in a human, from what I've been stu studying through the Internet, a human's body can't take more than about three, the average human, a 160-pound man. Everything on a can or labels for a 160-pound man when they, when they study this. And basically what happens is when it goes into you, your liver gets overloaded with all of this sugar. And the sugar, the sugar, the liver says, I can only handle about 300 carbs per day. A lot of people are sitting around drinking these sodas and all this stuff all day long. They're getting sicker and sicker, and then everybody gets diabetes. The whole, the whole industry is wrapped with trouble. I'll tell you another interesting thing. Uh, you, you talk about back in the day in the McDonald's. The reason why McDonald's has, like, there's something about a McDonald's Coke. I was addicted to this stuff. A McDonald's Coke, the reason why it tastes so great in a McDonald's or a Diet Coke, back in the day when you were working, this had to be. When Coca-Cola comes in in a McDonald's, comes in a stainless steel vessel. When they have shipped ship the, 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 uh, the Pepsi into a Burger King, it comes in plastic, big plastic vessels. What Coca-Cola did back in the day is they went to Coca-Cola. And they, and they said, McDonald's, way back when the company started, and said, we want this soda to taste exactly like the old green glass bottle. Okay? How do we get that flavor in a McDonald's Coke in a, in a, in a drink cup? And, and they studied it, and they said, we have to put, send the syrup in stainless steel vessels. We have to make the size of the straw a certain size so that when you suck that in, it, go, it hits your tongue a certain way. A certain amount goes onto the tongue. 
Now, if you go into a KFC, the scores are very thin, okay? And the KFCs, they want you nowadays, you know, drink less, the score size. So everything's been scientifically figured out. It's unbelievable. And that's basically what I know about, about the Coke. And there's one other thing I wanted to say uh, that you might find interesting. The, uh, the, uh, the, if, 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 if in the future President Trump, uh, Trump runs for president, and I know, you know, I know you're, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a political atheist, but if President Trump runs with DeSantis, they, they should have a, a, a poster that says Trump TD, Trump DeSantis, touchdown. The T and the D stand for touchdown. Uh-huh. And that would be a win in football. Mm, very good, very good combination, and very cognitive uh, of uh, the ingredients that go into uh, Coke and other sodas and the impact that it has on you. There's no doubt it can't be good for you, but there are some people who have drunk uh, Coca-Cola almost every day of their life, and they don't pass away uh, until normal circumstances take them to a different plane, but they, they live until they're in their 80s and 90s. How could that be? I think John has disappeared. If you look up Steve, Stephen Grundy, this doctor that's on the Internet, yes. and you read, read about the thing about carbs, it's, you, you, what happens is the bellies, you've got to go back to, I, I just learned this in the past year, you've got to go back to the old organic way humans were raised, and when you read a label on any package of anything you're eating, if you can't understand the words, look up each word that's on a, on a side of, even on a Coke can. And at the aspartame, what happens is the aspartame and the uh, Splenda and, the, and the, the, those sweeteners were made where your brain gets, a, gets, tastes the sweet. You taste it and you taste the sweet. And then the brain says, where's the sugar? Where's the sugar? Mm. Like a half an hour away. Then, you, then I would go into the donut shop and, you know, it's heavy set. And, oh, let me get four of these donuts. And the other thing that's killing the people is the oils that are in every product. If it's not, uh, you talk about the Vitelli olive oil, virgin, that's not, the, 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 the olive oil, um, the, uh, the, the avocado oil and coconut oil are the ones that are safe. Every product we have has got soybean oil. Uh, it's got canola oil. Those oils are what's clogging the hearts of humans, and then everybody's got to be on Lipitor. The things, things that are going on in the food industry, if you talk more about this, you'd even have even a, a zillion more. Call. I love your show. I stay up as much as humanly possible. I wish you were on 24 hours a day, <laughs> and you're, you're absolutely the greatest I think talk show personality ever been on the radio, and I know there's been a lot of great ones, but Curtis, there's nobody like you, nobody. Well, thank you. Thank you, and thanks, John, for sharing all of your analysis of what goes into making soda and how uh, detrimental it can be to your human system. Certainly was to mine. I don't attribute it to being the number one cause for all my gastronomical and uh, intestinal issues. Uh, obviously, that came from being shot five times with hollow point bullets, but the constant drinking of the Coca-Cola, people were warning me, boy, that's going to take its toll. You know, as they tell you as a kid, look, you got a penny? Yeah, yeah, here's a penny. Wow, it's 
can barely see Abraham Lincoln on it, right? It's all tarnished. Now, let me put it in this uh, glass of Coca-Cola overnight. You take it on, it's like you put knocks on on that. <laughs> it's shiny. Put it on the side of a car, it eats the paint. It's like battery acid. And yet, couldn't get enough of that sweet stuff. Until finally I said, no, nah, can't do it anymore. I just went cold turkey. Can't do it anymore. Boy, I'd see a can of Coke or I'd see a bottle of Coke, especially the glass bottle of Coke, and it was like, what would I rather have now, a bottle of Coke or sex? I think I have the bottle of Coca-Cola. I mean, it, yeah, it's highly addictive, as John and Brent Wood talked about. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Kenny, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Hey, Curtis, uh, we got to have a sit-down, man. I got a lot of questions I got to ask you. I'm watching this show called um, Gotti, Godfather, and Son. I'm watching this for the first time. You must have seen it before. They're talking crap about you. They, they got John Gotti out here, trying to, Junior, trying to make himself look like he's a victim. And they, they got a part after he gets a plea deal from um, doing, you know, doing some stuff with his father and he's about to get out, then you get shot, the whole shot incident, and he's talking about you saying, oh, this guy's, uh, uh, he, he's been known to fabricate stuff. And then they got Frank Morano on the show. Also, they have a clip of him saying, Curtis, fabricates stuff too. He's been known to fabricate. I'm like, wow, I got to call Curtis and, and talk about this and find whoa, out. Whoa, 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 hold on a second, Kenny. I'm serious. Frank Morano stabbed me in the back. I'm not stabbing you. I'm trying to find out what's going no, on No, 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 not you. Not you, Kenny. You're the observer. You're the reporter. I appreciate this. You're the bird dog. But Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, stabbed me in the back in this TV program? you never seen this? It's called Gotti, Godfather, and Son. It's oh, on right wait, now. Let me, let me write that down. And what network is this? What network is this? Oh, it's, it's called C&I. It's just the letter C. And the ampersand and I. That, that's what it is. So it's called John Gotti. Look this up probably on YouTube or anything. Just do a Google for it. It's called Gotti, um, Godfather and Son. Godfather and Son. I can't believe that. You've never seen this? No. No, and I'm you're the first one right. to bring it to my attention. They got a clip of Frank Marotta talking crap about you. They must have just taken a clip from anywhere. But he say, oh, Curtis, he fabricates the... Then they got Gotti talking crap about you. This guy, Gotti Jr., is trying to play like, oh, he left a life, or he's just a victim. He knew what he was doing, too. Now he's trying to play like, oh, I'm a victim of my father. This whole you got to watch this. But he's talking crap about you after you... Well, well, you, you know, it's interesting... Um... Um, many people initially doubted that I had been shot five times with hollow point bullets by the Gaudis or Gambinos, and many of them would call up and they'd say, right, they'd say, oh, you were driving that cab that you jumped out of. I said, now, wait a second. I'm in the cab. Is anybody else in the cab? No, it's just you. So you mean to tell me I took a, I took a 38, shot myself five times. (laughs) Right in, you know, your your your, your private parts, right? Five times, yeah. bleeding out with hollow point bullets, and it was driving the car, and then just jumped out the window, right? That's what Kubi said. They got Kubi, your friend. He was on there, and he, he he's standing up for you. Say, come on, so he's going to shoot himself, and that's what you boys. Oh, well, wait, right, let me give him a standing ovation, Ron Kubi, who's my music coming. He defends me. 
but not the Mamaluk Frank Morano, Kenny. You gotta watch this. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> they oh must have just taken a clip from anywhere. But God, <laughs> I can't believe this. Ron Kuby defends me. By the way, he stabbed me in the back in the trial. He testified against me. And Frank Morano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, he throws me under the bus. You got it's called Gotti, Godfather and Son. Just do a Google on it. I'm like, what? They said this aired back in 2018. I'm just seeing it now. I'm like, what? The- yeah, I never heard you talk I never about saw it. Wow. Yeah, you got to Google it. It's for real. And they got Gotti trying to play like, oh, he's such a victim. But then when he gets this plea deal and they drive out to get out, you get shot. And he says, this guy is coming after me, Curtis. Oh, he's full of crap. And this guy, God, he's fake. He's just trying to make himself look like he's a victim now. He knew what he was doing, too. Wow. This is he's incredible, Kenny. You know, yeah. I understand him. I mean, that's the way he was born. That's in his DNA. I get it. But you got Frank Morano. Frank Morano. Wow. It, it, you know, he, he does that racket report now. You should see it. You go on WABCRadio.com when you get a chance, Kenny and the rest of you. WABCRadio.com. Now, in real life, Frank is a, a schmendrick. You know, he's got the pocket protector. He's got right. all the pens. He looks like a geek, a total right. geek, right? Then you look at the, the cover of the racket report. He's got the striped suit, the shiny, shiny striped suit, like he's a hitman for the Banano crime family or the Gattis, the Gambinos, his favorite. And this guy's a rat. I'm sorry. Frank Morano's a straight-up rat. He's selling me out on the show. Yo, Avery, Avery, did you hear that? He ratted me out on TV. And it's like you got it's like near the end of the um the end of the show. So it's probably like three quarters so of the way in. Basically, Gotti Jr. has already buried me. Ron Kuby has uh, thrown me a lifeline, yeah, and then yeah. it's Frank Morano who puts the boot right in the back of my head. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw. I'm like, what, Frank Morano? I got to call Curtis and tell Oh hell that. yeah! Thank God! Thank God! That's why. Everybody has to listen all four hours, Monday through Friday, of Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight, and rat him out to me. <laughs> wow, he did this on the down low. Yeah, go watch it, man. Go Godfather and son. Do a Google you know, it. you know, as my grandfather Fidelo Bianchino would say, oh, Frank, one yard, a traditor, traditor. <laughs> how much do you think he got paid for that, Kenny? How much? Yeah, how many? How many pieces of silver from Gotti did Ask he get him. paid? I want to hear. I want to hear you and him. Do this. Just go watch it first to verify it, and oh. then call him out. Uh, we want to make this public. I want to hear what he says. God, he's Judas. He's Judas. <laughs> what a thirty pieces of silver! How much did Gotti give him to do that? I know, right? I wonder when I'm trying to. I'm gonna Google this now just to see if it yeah, comes up. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. Well, in 2018, yeah. they said so. Ron Kuby, you know, who testified against me, stuck his shiv in me. This time comes to my defense, and just since I'm ready to get up and walk away, who comes with a boot in the back of my head? Frank Morano. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. They say it's on A and E. It's www.attv.com. I, I, I googled it. I just googled it, and that's what comes up. So, Gotti, and, Godfather, and Son. Yeah, full episodes. There's like a whole bunch of episodes of biography, biography documentary of Gotti. Shoo, man, Kenny, I, I appreciate this. I, man, I owe Kenny. You think, hey, Avery? 
You think? Do you think uh, Frank would have told me that he was doing this series, right? You think he, he should have told me? Of course not. A dirty rat. Tradito. Judas. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. This is number one with a Kalashnikov bullet in Russia. When you hear this dance song in honor of Vladimir Putin, you better get up and dance your tuchus off. Because if not, the KGP is going to deal with you. And uh, more rumors and innuendo about uh, Vladimir Putin. You know, they've been predicting his death, his demise. They say his uh all kinds of problems, especially cancers of the blood, cancers in the brain, cardiac uh, problems. And now the most recent rumor says that Putin fell down five steps on a staircase, landed on his tailbone, and soiled himself in his BBDs and his Fruit of the Loom. Now, I got to tell you, ever since he's invaded uh, the Ukraine, they have him, like, potentially dying any day, right? It's almost like any moment now, Vladimir Putin, it's lights out. And this is supplied by our CIA, CIA, criminals in action. I don't trust the CIA. I don't believe anything they say. They were wrong about the bear pigs. They were wrong about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They've been war- wrong about so many things. It's a rogue organization of our government. It's part of the deep state. They're not answerable to anybody. As Daniel Patrick <gasps> Moynihan said, even though he was half in the bag by the time 12 noon would roll around, he said, it's a rogue organization. They're not answerable to anybody. It should be folded and closed. They have an open checkbook, and they, they pilfer as much as they give out. I wouldn't doubt it. With no transparency, no checks and balances, that's what's going to happen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John, who's calling from Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Johnny? Okay, Curtis. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to bring up the soda issue. Uh, 1952, uh, NoCal came out. It was a ginger ale made especially for diabetics. And it was, uh, and you you know, because you came from Canarsie, like like I did, I did once. It was distributed by Kirsch, Kirsch Soda. Oh yeah, Kirsch, they they deliver to you at home a rack 
of cursed sodas in the wooden rack. Remember with the with the spritzer, the, uh, the you know the blue bottle with the, the seltzer. The seltzer. The Jews they they had to have their seltzer. God, if you didn't deliver the seltzer, cursed guy didn't deliver the seltzer. Uh, the Jewish customer would have a heart attack. But they had the no cow soda. They had the you bet chocolate syrup too. They used to carry, so 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 you can make yourself an a cream. Remember the old days when they made a creams? Oh yeah, oh yeah. In fact, uh, I competed uh, in the uh, egg cream uh, drinking contest. You had to make them and drink them at the Brooklyn Diner, which is not in Brooklyn. It's a ripoff yeah. joint on Fifty Seventh Street. I think they charge like eighty-two dollars for bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Try to find a piece of bacon on it. And uh, I actually finished second. So I know how to make the egg creams. And the best thing you can do, John, is if somebody is out of town, you tell them you want to go for an egg cream, right? And you say, look, let's let's watch the the old Altacaca make the egg cream. And they say, but where's the egg? Uh, Yeah, well, wait, wait. The guy robbed me. Hey, and then I get into an argument with the guy at the counter. Like, "You, you didn't put the egg in? And the guy's looking at me. Come on, Curtis. You know there's no egg in an egg cream. I got the, I got this person here from Indiana. They want a legitimate egg cream. I saw you kept that egg out of the egg cream. Oh man, you could start a fight over that. Can I ask you another question? Just yes. For the heck of it. Yes. Because my father, my father was in the business. Did, did your mother or your father? You know, I mean your mother especially. Did she ever buy bleach when they used to go house to house selling Biangolina? Uh, bleach, Clorox. Yes. Canarsie was, my father had a shop in Canarsie, 82nd Street and Avenue K. Now, now it's all gone. There's a school there and everything. But at, in fact, it probably now you couldn't even have a factory like that. But anyway, we used to sell the bleach house to house. Yeah, we were on uh, 89th and J. I still have the house there. We've turned it into a guardian angel headquarters because it's a high crime area. But, yeah, I remember that. I, I remember, yeah. look. I remember the it's truck coming in glass bottles. In glass bottles. Right. Glass I remember gallons. the truck coming from Dean Street, a Jewish merchant, and he would uh, collect junk, and he had the, uh, the the weight machine in the back, and my grandfather, and he, uh, Fidel Bianchino, would uh, would uh, start uh, negotiating with him the price, you know, for the aluminum, the copper, the brass. Yeah, yeah. And, then was a, and then naturally the guy would come around and sharpen the knives. Then there was a, yeah. there was a whole cottage industry of people who would come around and offer all, all kinds of products and all kinds of services. Yeah, but at that time you could buy a, a gallon of bleach for it was like fifteen cents back in the when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I remember that I remember that. And then I remember they started experimenting with the. The bag that you would throw in that was like uh, bleach pellets yeah. instead yeah, of the yeah, liquid. Yeah, you put a laundromat. Yeah, you went to the laundromat. The, the bleach filled up in a plastic bag. Yeah. Well, we used to go house to house right there in Colossia. Maybe my, my father might have came to your house. I don't know. I'm just saying. Because, it was you know, at, the, at that time, it was a big business, house to house. You know, the, the woman never went to the store and lugged home a gallon of bleach. Now they go to the store and you carry a gallon of Clorox, you know. And I remember my sister uh, washed the clothes one time, the first time washing clothes, and she mixed the color clothes with the white clothes and put the bleach in it. And, yeah. you, and you know what happened in those color clothes? That was it. They were like, oh, my God. 
I know. Then they had the ammonia, the blue, you know, what the, uh, all, all kind of stuff. And then remember, they introduced uh, the uh, downy fabric softener. Everybody had to have downy, uh, or yeah. before that, they had Axion, you know, which would be like, it would, you know, eat up the dirt, you know, get, got to put some Axion in. They came up with all these products, which were like add ons. You go, you go to do one load of wash, and you had sometimes maybe eight different products to add to the wash. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy. Well, anyway, you know, another thing, yes, another thing with uh, you know, you know, another thing with Frank Morano before I hang up. I think it was on the Tuesday morning show. I guess he went to Los Angeles. I guess where he got the, the Walk of Fame, whatever it's called, where you put your people put their hands into the concrete. He he put his hands in, into that guy's Schaffner, uh, that guy's uh, Schaffner's print, and he said his his hand was the same size, and he oh. got all excited. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. he said he, he couldn't believe his hand was the same size as William uh, as that guy. John, what what is wrong with that guy? Uh, all you got to do is say William Shatner, Captain Kirk, yeah, and he Shatner, gets all yeah. he gets all fatuts. He gets all excited. And then I think he said on the Monday morning show, his son, his little son, Carmine, dances to one of his songs, uh, one of his albums. I don't know which song it was. He said he gets all excited when he hears it and he starts dancing. <laughs> John, that is the worst music imaginable. He plays not only Captain Kirk, right, William Shatner, which is horrible music, but then he plays yeah. Jerry Springer. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, what is wrong with you, Frank? Oh, I, I listen to it on repeat. You know, he's got the headphones, and he listens to it in a loop over and over and over and over. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, he's a he's a contrarian. I think he does that, Johnny, because he just likes to be different. The same reason he would walk around with a freaking can of tab. What kind of a man walks around with tab? And then all of a sudden goes on an excursion. Got to find Tab. I got to find the only Tab left in the world since Coca-Cola doesn't make it anymore. That's his mission in life, to find Tab. Oh, God. Oh, so unmanly. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Might be co-opted by uh, Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yay, Yee, Yo, whatever he calls himself today. All right, he keeps getting hammered. He's asking for it. And he doesn't appear to be looking to step down. Let's go to Eddie in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. 
Hey, salutations, Curtis. Enjoying the show as always. I'm wearing the cap that Mr. Casamatidis you sent me in the mail, wearing it well. But the thing what I want to talk about, I used to remember it was a old time Ricky, I think he used to have in Brooklyn. But besides that, it reminded me of a story about uh, Mahatma Gandhi, the great Indian mystic who used to fast religiously and was involved in politics. And the guy starved himself so much that it gave him very, very bad breath. And his disciples got very alarmed about this, so they cooked up a beverage that was going to be highly caloric and everything to supplement uh, his diet. And uh, he'll be known in history as the uh, uh, super caloried fragile mystic with extreme halitosis. <laughs> that was very good. That's very good, Eddie. Thank you, bro. I'm enjoying the show. Look, I'll let others uh, chat with you, but I'm wearing the hat you sent me, and I love you very much. Keep the good go. Keep the good things going, baby. Thank you, thank you, Eddie. Thank you. You know something? That story by Kenny in Brooklyn that Frank stabbed me in the back. Tradito, <sighs> Judas. Sounds like Frank. You know, if given the choice between me or John Gotti Jr., say you can only choose one. You know who Frank would choose, who he'd want to hang out with. My enemy of all enemies, John Gotti Jr. Yep. Yeah, he want to be smoking cohibas with him. I guarantee you this, Frank Morano won't pay for those cohibas. He's got alligator arms. And John Gotti Jr., he would have had to have stolen them from somebody because he ain't paying for them either. <clears throat> 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Robert, who's calling from Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Hi, Curtis. Pleasure again. I have a couple of soda things for you. Sure. That are, are facts. Now, I used to uh, drink Coca-Cola, classic, now it's called, and the original before that, every morning, and people could not understand. They thought I was going to put a hole in my stomach. Wow. How much would you drink? I'd drink a 16-ounce every morning when I come to the shop to work. Would you, uh, would you, be, would you be shaking? Would you be shaking? Huh? Would you be shaking, you know, shaking? No, it didn't really affect me that much. But, you know, there was nothing like that. Taste and had that bite in your throat. Refreshment, man. So let me get let me get this let me get this straight, Robbie. You uh you show up at work in the morning, sixteen ounces in a glass of Coca Cola, and then one more in the afternoon and one more at night. Yes, that's a lot of Coca Cola. That was my regimen for refreshment. And uh, later, years later, I switched to coffee. Mm. And how many coffees would you drink a day? Oh, three or four. Oh. So you yeah, no longer from, you, you no longer you no longer drink Coca Cola. No, no, years years ago. That's how I broke my Coke addiction, actually. The coffee. Do you remember Max Headroom? Yes. MTV. Sure. Max. One time there was a time Max Headroom was advertising Coca Cola. You remember that? I believe so. Yes. Yes, and. He called the people who are addicted to Coca-Cola, Coca-holics. <laughs> which, right. which had a dual meaning at that time. 
<laughs> yeah, in the uh, early 80s, yeah, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. and uh, about Canada Dry. Yes. The, gin- the ginger ale. Why there is no other, there is no substitute. That's because Canada Dry uses real ginger to make the product. The root has to be brewed to extract the flavor. Mm. And that's how they make it. I see, because... The other uh, ones, they're artificial flavors. They're chemicals, man. They're all garbage. Right, right. But I remember how uh, my mother would give that to me when uh, I'd have a bellyache. She'd say, oh, you got to have some Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Yeah. I'd have a... Uh, my my, my uh, summer drink was Ryan Ginger. Ryan Ginger. Mm. Yeah, very refreshing. You know, like uh, Seagram 7. Sure. Yeah, and, and ginger ale instead of a seven and seven with seven up, you know that's too sweet. Man. Very clean, refreshing drink in the summer. Gotta, Very cool. Got to tell you, man, you're like a, a master of uh, of the various uh, summertime drinks. Well, a few of them, yeah. And uh, oh, last night you had mentioned about uh, the Sullivan, the officer who who served, yes, and uh, recently died. No, no, he didn't die. Uh, I think you're talking about Tom Sullivan, who is running for the assembly out in the Rockaways against uh, Audrey Pfeiffer's daughter, who's been there three terms. Audrey has been there for life. And that uh, they're robbing him because he had won the election fair and square as a Republican conservative candidate. Represents Breezy Point, the Rockaways, the Ponds at Bell Harbor, uh, Broad Channel, uh, uh, Ozone Park and uh, Howard Beach, uh, and I was describing uh, how the Democratic Party in the Queens County is attempting to steal the election from Tom Sullivan, who clearly won it, hands down. Yes, yes, that's going to be a good fight, and I hope he wins. Now, uh, you'd also mentioned, kind of in between, about the five brothers who fought in World War Two. Yeah, I was looking for their them. name. I was looking for their name. Yes, they were the Sullivans. And there actually was a movie, which you did not remember, I guess, at the time, yes. about them, where the law was passed, where the uh, rel- uh, relatives could not serve together in the same units and stuff. I remember that. I remember seeing the movie, and uh, I remember it being explained to me as a young boy. Uh, how you can no longer have siblings or no longer have immediate relatives and serve with you in the same battalions, in the same uh, um, ship, or wherever it was that you might have been uh, assigned militarily. It's fascinating to see how much that family sacrificed uh, the Sullivan family as featured in the documentary and on uh, the big screen. But also the Sullivan family in the Rockways that is... It's been an iconic institution out there. And now they're trying to rob Tom Sullivan, a hero of the assembly seat he rightfully won. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. 
So good, this song. Electronic dance music featuring, believe it or not, Elton John and Britney Spears. This is good. I think what I'll do is I'll put on the vinyl, walk around the block, come back, and it'll still be playing the song. Like old-style DJs. Like what Larry King did when he first broke into radio. The Brooklyn kid was known for borrowing money down in Miami and never paying it back, kiting checks, and being a deadbeat, he was a degenerate gambler. And he had this gig in which he was spinning stacks of wax at night. So his shift was 12 to 8. And his job was to play songs off albums. So all of a sudden, he's ready to begin his shift. It's about 11.30 at night, he told this story at a huge conference in which he was being uh, given a very prestigious uh, award by a uh, broadcasting organization. I remember I was there, I was in Santa Monica. We were sort of reminiscing about all of our similar circumstances in Brooklyn. He was over near Bensonhurst. I was in Canarsie. But it, we had a great time. So then it came time for him to accept his award, and he gave the speech, and he said, Guys and gals, i got to tell you, I was the worst, the absolutely worst DJ and talk show host when I broke into this thing of ours. Because here I was, young guy, high levels of testosterone. It's 1130. I'm getting my playlist ready. Because back then, they would allow you to do a little free-form radio from vinyl from albums. And there's a call in the station. And it's a woman with a deep, sultry voice. And she goes, I saw you earlier today in the supermarket. I need to have you now. I don't know what your name is. I just know I need to have you now. So Larry King, always a horn, horn dog, even until the day he died, right? Horn dog extraordinaire goes, well, where are you? She goes, I'm at my apartment. I have the need to have the urge to merge with you. He goes, well, let me just set the record up and I'll head on over. She gives him the address. So he puts on the whole album. He goes over to the house. They made, make mad, passionate love. He's like all excited. It's like right, really good. Meantime, while they're having the urge to merge, fornicating and copulating, the vinyl that he put on the turntable begins to skip and skip and skip. And then all of a sudden, people were calling up the radio station saying, what's going on? What's going on? Calls end up going to the general manager, the program director, and they're all down there at the radio station. And who, who ends up rolling up in his car but Larry King? 
assuming that it was just about the time that he'd have to change the record. And then, uh-oh. So they're talking, where were you? Uh, well, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And the uh, general manager just said to Larry King, you're fired. You know, did a Donald Trump to him. You're fired. And that was one of many radio jobs Larry uh, King uh, ended up blowing early on because he was a skirt chaser, degenerate gambler. The guy was like, well, he'd see a shot of leg and he'd be off. Hey, where's Larry? Uh, he was just here. Gone. Might not come back for a month of Sundays. Brooklyn boy, Bensonhurst, Lafayette, we are here high school. Went to Lafayette at the time that uh, Wilpon, of the Wilponzi family, you know, Bernie Madoff uh, went to uh, Lafayette. I think a little before Sandy Koufax went there. And well before John Franco went there, who lived on the ground floor, across the street, Marlboro Housing Projects. His father was a sanitation man. That's why when he would come out of the bullpen as the closer, John Franco would always have the orange sanitation uh, shirt underneath his jersey in tribute to his daddy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Boy, I can play this music to the break of dawn. I guess what I got to do, uh, one of my many shifts here at WABC, the acronym standing for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. I just got to do six hours of spinning all kinds of eclectic music. You know, from R&B to, uh, oh, disco, obviously, electronic dance music, ballads, soul music. And then all of a sudden, eclectic music, the likes of which you would never think to Curtis Lee would have any interest in the world in. I got to convince our owners and operators, John and Margot Casamitidis, who were honored uh, on Friday night by the Tunnel to Tower Foundation at their annual uh, dinner at the Marriott Hotel. All of us who were there from WABC. It was absolutely outstanding. And oh, man. The memories keep pumping and jumping in my mind as I talk to all of you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from Maryland. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, Curtis. Uh, good morning. I wanted to mention a bit about why that spa term uh, picked up in New England uh, and then also a little bit about Brooklyn and the Junkman. My uh, theory here, and I've read a little about this, having spent a little time up in Boston and, and in parts of New England, uh, is that, you know, you see these drugstores on corners and you'll still see spa written around it. You know, like it, the old building, it's still written up there. They know them as spas. So it's like a late 19th century thing, like a health thing tied in with the pharmacy um, and the health benefits that they thought came from drinking this bubbly. About 20 years ago, I went to the Czech Republic to uh, a town called Carlo Viveri. Everyone still goes there. They drink this sulfur smelling thing and you're drinking it and so back then it was seen as coca-cola and all this stuff with health benefits so to this day and of course the soda jerk and the fountain there's a connection to that you're you're in there to get drugs you're trying to get healthy now we don't think of these drinks as healthy at all you know tab and whatnot so that's why you still have it there just like uh, in the midwest they call it soda pop uh, the other thing is about the, the Junkman. There's a great book uh, that I got some time ago. It came out in the mid-'80s called When Brooklyn Was the World, 1986. And they do – I remember reading the section to my mother, who was from Glendale, actually, Queens, but uh, she lived in Brooklyn too. 
she remembered those junk men uh, and guys who go around uh, sharpening scissors. She swooned kind of when she heard it. She just hadn't, you know, this is something just disappeared where you'd hear this guy clanking down the road and all of a sudden you know, all right, get your knives and, and, and scissors, what have you. And, uh, is, and then these itinerant photographers who would take pictures of, uh, of kids on ponies, you know, like a Tex Ritter type thing. I have a great picture of my uh, father and his brothers and sisters in Brooklyn in the 30s, you know, with cowboy hats on. This is how a guy made his living. He went around itinerant photographer. Uh, these are kind of like things that just disappeared, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, no, sort of a freelancer out there who just tried to line up jobs on the go. He, he basically, his side hustle was his whole hustle. Right. Uh, I mean, we actually take our knives recently. I live up, uh, there's an old uh, Civil War era city uh, just north of D.C. that they still have, uh, they sell knives and stuff, but they do metal sharpening, and I got some people who like to cook. They say, yeah, these knives are dull. Take them there. But nowadays, people just go and, uh, you know, buy new stuff. Back then, you made it work. I mean, to this day, I have a little of that Depression-era mindset where it took me a while to realize that my dad, into the 1980s, you know, when he died young in the 1990 or so, but you didn't throw anything away if you came from the Great Depression. He was a kid in the Great Depression in the 30s, and he was around for war. But that kind of mentality where your garage was filled with little bent pieces of metal, you never know, you might be able to fix it one day. Uh, it took me a long time. My wife said, hey, stop working on these old cars. Meaning you don't have to fix these things forever. So, so time is a funny thing that way. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt it is. And I appreciate you sharing all those memories with us, Chris. Sure. My pleasure. And certainly, Uh, uh, you know, explaining to us the origin of basically uh, uh, soda uh, and tonic. Right. And uh, just to bring it into modern headlines, you know, uh, Sid and everybody's got to keep talking about Kanye, whether they want to or not. That area is called the is you know the buildings are all German but it's Czech Republic. It's because it's it's the Sudetenland. When you go there, it's it feels like you're in old Germany, but you know it's a spa town in the mountains, and people still think you know it's a it smells like sulfur, but people think it will cure whatever ails you. You know, have a tonic, cure whatever ails you. And I and it wasn't until you brought it up when I have a gin and tonic. That's a throwback to uh, have a tonic. You know. That, I mean, it's a soda. We don't think of it that way. But that's well, a it's, a, point. it's a different kind of a soda because uh, I ran into a, Ukra- a Ukrainian cab driver who said at the outbreak of uh, coronavirus back in uh, the summer of 2020, a little before then, the spring of 2020, just have a little, uh, little, uh, you know, uh, swallow of tonic water every day and it will help prevent you from being victimized by coronavirus or uh, its many uh, variants like COVID-19. Right. And they swore by it. They swore by it, Chris. Little, really little, little glass. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just, a, just a side note. When I visited this girlfriend of mine over there at the time, her dad was uh, probably my age now. But every time I turned around, he had peach schnapps, which is, I guess, what they have over there. I was amazed that every time if you look over at the TV, he would fill up the glass again. I think I was on drink number 11 or 12. I mean, they test you back over there. It's an immense, you know, what kind of man are you? You're with my daughter. You know, you better be able to drink. But that every time you turn around, the glass is filled again. So you don't know how many shots you're on. Yep. That's just uh, the mentality over there. Oh, yeah. Well, schnapps and sponge cake. Schnapps and yeah. sponge cake. Right. Well, I appreciate hey, that. Show. Appreciate that, Chris. Chris took us yeah. uh, all through uh, Europe there. 
an, an extravaganza of uh, quite a note. Vertigo, that's for sure. Vertigo, but we can play the music with the subject matter as we take you to the break of dawn. Ain't nobody going to sleep. Nobody going to sleep right here at WABC. Guess who's coming to dinner, Donald Trump? It was Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yay, ye, yo, whatever his name is today. And he brought with him a guy named Milo Yiannopoulos, and he brought little Nazi boy Fuentes. It's become the traveling road team, the three stooges of hate and anti-Semitism, and they're loving every second of it. Now, can you believe it? Kanye West goes to have lunch with Donald Trump. He uh, meets them out on the patio. And Kanye says that he is there to convince, convince Donald Trump to become Kanye West's vice president candidate because Kanye West thinks he's going to be running for president. Trump was most perturbed about me asking him to be my vice president. I think that was like lower on the list of things that caught him off guard. It was the fact that I walked in with intelligence. No, 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 no. (laughs) 
the guy just declared he was running for the presidency of the United States, Kanye. He had been the former president of the United States, barely lost to Joe Biden. You announced you're running for president. You didn't even qualify the last time around. And now you go to Mar-a-Lago to try to convince Donald Trump that, in fact, he shouldn't run for the presidency of the United States, but he should be on your ticket as your vice president? When Trump started basically screaming at me at the table, telling me I was going to lose, I mean, has that ever worked for anyone in history? <laughs> You're going to lose. Tell I'm going to lose. lose. I'm like, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Trump. You're talking to Ye. Talking to Ye? <laughs> this guy's out of his mind. He actually thought he could go in there and convince Donald Trump, former president of the United States, to be his vice presidential running mate. And you know the conversation had to go downhill after that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anthony, who's calling from Patterson. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Anthony. Hey, Curtis. What's up, brother? I don't know. You tell me. Jacob DeGrom leaving the Mets to go to Texas. What's your opinion on that? Well, first off, uh, anything bad that happens to Stephen Cohn, I I. I derive great knockers out of because he should be in jail for insider trading information. No doubt about it. But he uh, he bought the Mets. Uh, he promised he would spend uh, a fortune. He spent a lot of money. Uh, problem is, Anthony, he capped out. He said I was going to spend whatever it takes and then he sort of reconfigured that, rejiggered that to $300 million. And that obviously meant that Jacob uh, DeGrom was not going to stay around. I got to tell you, I think the Mets might have gotten all they could have out of Jacob uh, DeGrom. He was starting to break down. And to be honest, I don't know why people keep going to Texas to play for the Texas Rangers. Nobody who is really prominent ever seems to do well once they get to the Texas Rangers. There have been those exceptions. But I would consider it a mistake. But for Mets fans, you probably want to take uh, the shredded bat of uh, Mike Piazza against uh, Roger Clemens and impale yourself, right? You got that right. And do you think um, Aaron Judge will resign with the Yanks eventually? Uh, I tell you this about Aaron Judge: uh, they're whining, dining, and pocket lining him in San Francisco. He's a Bay Area boy. He left his heart in San Francisco. He really loves the Bay Area. Major mistake was uh, for Yankee fans to boo Aaron Judge. Seventh inning, game two against Cleveland. They were behind. They lost uh, that game. Ultimately, they had lost the first game. But the fact that after a season like he had, where he set a major league uh, record for home runs in the American League uh, with 62, one more than uh, Roger Maris had hit, and then you're booing him in the second game of the playoffs because up until that point, he had, I think it was 0 for 8 or 0 for 7 in the first two games against uh, Cleveland. They'll always be the Indians to me. They'll always be Chief Wahoo. But now they call the Cleveland Guardians. Might as well go the whole nine yards, call them the Cleveland Guardian Angels, right? Might as well do that. But problem in San Francisco in that Silicon uh, Valley area in Palo Alto the other side of I-5, is that uh, they're probably going to promise to pay him $500 million uh, for a contract 
equal to the amount of time he'd sign up for the Yankees. They want to offer him $300 million. Problem is, in San Francisco, they'll probably want to pay him in Bitcoin because all the Bitcoin bandits are out there. They're all out there. The blockchain criminals, the cryptocurrency Ponzi scammers, they'll probably make him a deal that he will be able to refuse. We'll give you $500 million, but it'll all be in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and the exchange will be in the blockchain. Oofa. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Alan in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Alan. Uh, good morning, Curtis. Uh, I'm working very assiduously on getting my Ph.D. in Curtis Sleevaology. <laughs> and I have to say that um, your knowledge of geography, various places, and famous people is pretty impressive. But now this is what I want today. I have two quick points, and I'd like to see how you respond. The first indecipherable mystery in the history of the world is anti-Semitism. I mean, I do not, you know, as a, I have a general uh, knowledge of history. I don't see anything where uh, the Jewish people killed or, or slaved or they didn't do anything to anybody. And my second mystery is after all that's happened with Donald Trump and the impeachments and the good on both sides and and whatever how it's such a mystery that this man still has so much support support on what basis about climate change he did nothing about gun control he did nothing he gave a tax break to rich people so tell me why these people are so into donald trump well because he's uh very charismatic in person on the stump when he gives an interview, he's combative. Uh, he doesn't just take. He fires back. So I think they're, they're more, they're more um, mesmerized by his style as opposed to his subs, substance, oh, definitely, which definitely. Is, is subject to change. But then again, let's look at one. I'm not a, a Trump fan. I'm considered a never-Trumper, maybe the first to be labeled with that, a rhino. I think I was the first, but all right. All right and, and by the way, uh, don't at all feel that's a bad term, because if ever you I watch know. any uh, scenes, documentaries about uh, animals in the jungle or in the Kalahari Desert, when they go to, to drink water, when they, uh, when they go to the watering hole, notice who's the first that they let get the, the water. And hopefully they'll get their belly full and leave because they're afraid of the rhinoceroses. They're afraid that the rhinoceros will charge them and gore them with the horn that they have right on their nose. So uh, I'm, I'm a rhino. As you say, you're a rhino. I'm a never-Trumper. Uh, but as a never-Trumper, I got to tell you, I was completely fooled in thinking that his positions that he was taking initially in the Middle East would backfire and would cause even more problems. So, for instance, he finally was the one person that moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Everyone before that was always promising to do that. They never did. He took I'm out... I'm an American Jew, and that means very little to me. Uh, you know, uh, the fact that he liked Roy Cohen, who was uh, uh, instrumental in, in, in uh, killing the Rosenbergs, and he's no big supporter of Jewish people in my book. All right, but with Roy Cohen, who obviously has a very tainted history, a lot of people had dealings with him from uh, 
the FBI, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, Cardinal Spellman, RFK. RFK served on the same committee uh, in the House when they were investigating communists uh, behind. Uh, yeah. Right. So he had this guy, Roy Cohen. Uh, I met him before he died. Uh, strange bird in the fact that he would never look you in the eye, but yeah. he would act like uh, he was interested in having conversation with you. Did was- you see the movie about him with uh, Meryl Streep and Al Pacino played uh, Roy Cohn? No. How was it? It was pretty good. I think it was called Angels in America, if I'm not mistaken. But by the way, I'm not a rhino. I'm an independent. I'm a never-Trumper, but I, I don't go with any party. I, you know, I try to analyze the people that uh, that are running and see who's the best one. It doesn't mean anything to me, Republican, Democrat. Right. You're, you're a free agent, as uh, all voters really should be. You should yeah. never feel you have to go with one side or another side. You should make the politicians come to you and convince you yes. that you I mean, should vote Republican. for them. Are you going to vote the Republican way for Herschel Walker, or are you going to vote uh, to be uh, uh, what's best for the country and vote for Warnock? I mean, Well, wait, but now you got to promise me, Alan, you'll listen tomorrow night because I'm going to go through a whole soliloquy uh, okay. on Herschel Walker and also yeah. uh, Warnock, and the visit of Barack Obama, and some yeah. of the Republicans who have uh, gone to Georgia to give tactical air support. Now, if you notice, in this round of the runoff, you haven't seen Trump and you haven't seen Biden. Uh, yeah, they, they don't want to They're go. both Trump staying away. Want, they don't want Trump to go. Um, but uh, as, a, uh, as a senator, he would make a pretty good football player, Herschel Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got to get going. It's good talking to you. Very Thank good. You. I will All be right. talking about Herschel, Herschel Walker, and uh, Reverend, uh, as I call him, Warlock. And I got some uh, great cuts uh, of the both of them. I mean, it's amazing that Barack Obama goes into Georgia, and the main issue is that rift that we first played here on the show in the best side of the other side of midnight. Uh, I think it was last Saturday or Sunday where Herschel Walker was riffing, riffing for like two minutes about a horror movie he had seen the night before and was uh, sort of trying to critique it in front of a massive audience. And he was like all for touch. He was totally into it, man. There was no way you were going to shake him from that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa.
Yeah, we'll be going down Georgia tomorrow night, 24 hours. Theater of the mind, obviously. We won't physically be there, but I've spent a lot of time in Georgia. Got to tell you, man, that rake, red clay in the ground there, mess up your shoes, mess up your pants. You never get that stuff out of there. Trudging around Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, all the way out there to hillbilly country. It's like deliverance in some parts. Man alive. It's just like the movie. And then when I was in Forsyth County, yeah, get the ropes. The clan was out there. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. They were riding around at night on pickup trucks with the Johnny Red flag, the flag uh, of stars and bars, the flag of treason. They had ropes with nooses on it. And they wanted to hang me and Hiram Bull Wiggins. Although he's a big guy. He is like, uh, at that time, about 280, about 6'4". Obviously, I'm smaller than that. And uh, all of a sudden, pulling us over on the side of the road as we were walking along Forsyth County there. I mean, we're talking hillbilly clan country. Was the GBI. Now, who's the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation? And they said, you guys got to come with us. I said, man, I ain't getting in your car. <laughs> I'll probably get buried under red clay. You know, my mother didn't, my mother didn't birth a dummy here. You know, we're the GBI and they're flashing badges. I said, well, what the hell is the GBI? Well, we're the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. I said, well, how is that any different than the FBI? We got a G instead of an F. I said, man, that's not very impressive to me. Said, well, you should be lucky we're out here to save both your asses. Because the Klan is planning to hang you about a half mile down. They've been whooping it up all night at the local gin mill. They've been drinking Southern Comfort. They've been riding around looking for that white guy and that black guy in the red berets. And calling them Red Angel Vomits. And they were ready to hang you from an oak tree. Hmm. So well, maybe we will go with the GBI. We're going to arrest you for your own protection. So what do you mean you're going to arrest us? What's the charge? Uh, we'll think of one on the way to the jail. And so we spent a night in Fort South County Jail. Me and uh, Bull, a.k.a. Hiram Wiggins. And I got to tell you, that's the best breakfast I ever had in jail. I mean, they had pancakes, they had bacon, they had eggs. And all of a sudden, Bull said, hey, is it all right if we have second? I said, of course. You're Yankees. Anything for Yankees. We want to show you we got hospitality. And then I said, after eating the second load, I said, is it okay if, like, we book in here for, like, three, three days? This is great food. They said, nah, we got to release you. We we got to take you before the judge. Tell tell him that we arrested you to protect you. I said, and what are you going to say? From the Klan. I said, well, okay. You're not going to say you arrested us to protect us from ourselves. Oh, man, that was the best breakfast I ever had in any jail that I got locked up into. And we got seconds. I was actually thinking... I'm seeing if I could spend three days there, 72 hours. Man, they were ready to make, you know, it's like McDonald's has breakfast now, 24 hours. I asked them, you got breakfast here like 24 hours? 
Now they said that's Waffle House down the block. Oh, I love Waffle House. I need my music. I need my music, Broadway Bill Lee. I'm I'm, I'm into my southern thinking strategy here with red clay between my toes. So when we got cut loose, we walked down the road. And, of course, where do we end up uh, sitting, copping a squat? Waffle House. Man, I love Waffle House. Nobody has teeth in Waffle House. The people who come to eat in Waffle House, they got no teeth. The waiters and waitresses, they got no teeth. The chef got no teeth. Nobody has teeth in their mouth. And then they have the aprons on. They're always stained. But the cheapest food you'd ever have in your life. You could have $2 in your pocket and walk out with a, a summer slam. I mean, it's like uh, better than what they have at, uh, what can I call it, Denny's. I mean, really good. Pancakes, bacon, waffles. Oh, you get the, the coffee, as much coffee as you want. Person comes up to you, they got one tooth in their mouth. They keep refilling your coffee cup. I I fed there one time 28 Guardian Angels, and I think I walked out with a bill of like $48. That's amazing. Waffle House. And you ever been to Atlanta? You know the best thing about Atlanta? Oh, there are a lot of good things about Atlanta, but they have the museum, the Waffle House Museum, man. It's like I died and I went to heaven going to the Waffle House Museum. I was like all for touch. Reminded me, we were doing a battle against a rapist uh, in downtown Atlanta in a public housing project not far from the international headquarters of Coca-Cola. And in order to keep everybody pumping and jumping because it was hot, humid, can really tie you out in Atlanta, especially the uh, summertime when, uh, man, the mosquitoes are like the size of horses. You can put a, a saddle on them and ride them around as they're flying around. I would get a box of Krispy Kreme donuts because that's where Krispy Kreme was invented, Atlanta. And uh, four bottles of Jolt Cola. Now, can you imagine eating Krispy Kreme donuts, which are like all sugared up? And then you got this big 48-ounce bottle of Jolt Cola. Whoa! Man, you ain't going to sleep. You can forget that Red Bull. You can forget Adderall. You can forget amphetamines. You can... Forget meth. Man, this was like rocket fuel. Oh, I love the South. I love Georgia. Although Georgia didn't like me. I mean, look, they tried to hang me there. You know, I mean, let's face it. Colombians have tried to give me the necktie. You know, that's when they catch you, and then all of a sudden they do you in, and they pull your tongue right through your throat. And they call it a Colombian necktie. Hey, you... We want to give you a Colombian necktie, man. We got your throat out and pull your tongue out. I say, you want to show me how you do that on one of your amigos first? Hey, give me a little demonstration. Let me see what I'm in for. I'd like to see if uh, I want to wear a Medellin or a Kali. Um. <laughs> pull your tongue right through your throat. Colombian necktie. Hey, are you Medellin, you Kali? No, we kill us, amigos. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Calling all the way from Oaktown in California. It's uh, Louise. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Louise. 
Hi, Curtis. It's actually Eloise. Eloise. I'm sorry, Eloise. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, but which part of Oaktown do you live in? I live in uh, the Diamond District in Oaktown. Oh, and how are you listening to us from so far away? It's a kind of a long story. Wait, 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 we're interested in this. How are you able to get us so crystal clear? Do you have rabbit ears up on the rooftop of your apartment or home? No, I just, so, can I just tell you the story? I will abbreviate it. Of course, of course. So I was on a dating site, a really sleazy dating site called Plenty of Fish. I don't know if I can mention their name. Of course. I met a gentleman. I dated him for a year. I decided I didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. I'm actually a registered nurse, and he was 12 years younger than me. So I cut it off with him. He proceeded to uh, harass me, uh, chase me down Highway 580, which is a major highway close to my house, to my job at Kaiser, Oakland. And um, so I hired a process server to serve him. I've decided to file a restraining order against him, Curtis. He also popped all four of my tires on my beloved little Nissan, 2012 Nissan Sentra. So I said, this man is like totally like went around the bend and is kind of psychotic. So my process server, his name was Roy. He was from Brooklyn. And I completely was smitten with him because of his accent. So when I listen to you, it's uh, kind of reminiscent of my dealings with him. He served him. He sent me videos of him serving him. And I am just still very smitten with him but he has already spoken for so i found you by accident and i found you completely entertaining i think you are hilarious and i don't know if you actually have a feud with the guy on the other side of the hours the frank or is it just kind of for fun no no well you heard the eloise earlier you heard kenny from brooklyn talk about how frank morano the mama luke Frank Marwana, I don't know. Is he still living with his mother? Uh, he would if he could. But his mother, Stephanie, <laughs> finally had enough of him. It, he was walking his dog. See, he's a dog guy, not a cat man. So he's walking his dog, and he's smoking a Cohiba cigar. And then he walks back into his mom's house. This is when he was living in her basement like a real Mama Luke. And he fell asleep, and the cigar fell out of the... Uh, uh, out of the uh, can he had it in, and he burnt the house down. He burnt oh, the house God. down, Eloise. And he expected oh, to... he expected that his mother was going to uh, forgive, you know, and forget and just let him continue to live there like the gold brick and slacker that he was, the real Mama Luke. And finally, Stephanie said, that's it. That's the last draw. Go out, find yourself a girlfriend, Find yourself a wife, but you're not going to be a gold brick. You're not going to be living in my house anymore. And she shined her six-inch stiletto heels on his backside and kicked him to the curb. That's hilarious. But this one, the real reason I called Mr. Curtis is I know that you know a lot about music, and I like what you play, but that song that you played with Elton John, it's not Britney Spears, it's Dua Lipa. 
Oh, you see that? You corrected me. And, and it and it just was driving me nuts. And I said, I probably can't get through because I don't think too many people on the West Coast listen out there. I, I don't know. But I think they should because it's either you or Michael Savage. Um, I like him a lot also. But I just wanted to add one more thing. I wondered what you, your thoughts were on the whole uh, Biden and the Congress um, kind of doing the union breaking deal with the iron workers and about Obama something for uh, Warlock, who I don't care for, and how come no one is uh, supporting or rallying kind of behind Herschel Walker? Well, that's and not so. The, the... And tell Nancy she's very lucky to have you because you're just uh, if I could wake up next to you with all your funny stuff you say, I'd be very happy. <laughs> e. Louise, I got to tell you, we're going to be talking about uh, Warnock, a.k.a. Warlock, in 24 hours as it's uh, Barack Obama to the rescue. We're going to be talking about Herschel Walker. Uh, we'll be playing cuts. We'll also talk about all the people who are coming to the assistance of Herschel Walker. It's a neck-and-neck race. Almost every poll that I've seen indicates it can go either way by one point. Uh, and this is the runoff. This is the unique system uh, that we saw in Georgia uh, in the last presidential cycle. And it's uh, the race that we see right now in Georgia. We're looking at Warnock, a.k.a. Warlock again. Man, she said I had it wrong about Elton John. You, you know what number that is there, Bill, uh, Broadway Bill? Hold on a second. Uh, I will get that for you because, man, that... That makes me feel like, wow, that's 19, 19, cold heart. I can't believe that. Could have swore it was Elton John and Britney Spears. I don't know. I know he did an EDM song recently with Britney Spears and Elton John. I know he did. Uh, we're going to have to find that one because I'm miscombobulated. But let's go back to cold heart, which I was ripping to for quite some time uh, this morning. See, I need that flow. I I, I need that, that 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 energy that just like flows and conflates into the subject matter that I'm talking about. And then we should uh, try to find the uh, jam he did, the EDM jam with uh, Britney Spears, the crazy lady who loves to take her clothes off and take selfies of herself wherever she is, mostly in her bathtub. Wow, she is a bit off. Anyway, let's go to Don, who's calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Don. Hey, Curtis, how you doing, brother? How do you think I'm doing, Don? Okay, listen, man, I got to, I got, I got to call you out on a little something here. Um, the, the last caller before the break, not that lovely woman you just talked to, but the other guy. And I, I think you kind of missed, you missed the signals there. That guy was a straight up Brooklyn Bolshevik. I mean, the guy was racking on Trump. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I heard him. But he identified yeah. himself. Like, as such. The guy was like, you know, he, he missed the whole thing. That guy's not drinking the bug juice. He's bathing in it. He's a straight up communist. <laughs> you know? Well, wait a second. Why, why does he have to be a communist if he's opposed to Trump? There are Republicans that are opposed to no, Trump. No, no, because it's just the way he came from. It was like, you know, all the stuff that he was absolutely wrong on, like, you know, he was like, you know, trying to make Trump an anti-Semitic. And it was like, stop, okay? The guy is like, you know, he, he's more in the faith than, you know, half the guys that go to the synagogue on Saturdays, you know? And and it, it's like, I don't know, and like, you know, and, and the whole thing with Kanye, 
Like, nobody's missing the point. He was reaching out to a guy. Here's a guy he knows, okay, who's in, in, who belongs, Kanye belongs under acute psychiatric care. I mean, the guy is, he's off the wall. Oh, there's no doubt, but but, but look, uh, for instance, um, Donald Trump had embraced Candace Owens, who, as you know, had hooked up with uh, Kanye West when they had that fashion show in Paris wearing those White Lives Matter shirts. And uh, a former president, Trump, was kind enough to do her podcast, and she took all umbrage to it. I, I want you to hear her as she just really viciously attacks Donald Trump within done nothing but elevate her in the past. During a golf session with some mutual friends of ours, had a person next to him who was egging this on, saying to Trump, and I know this because, again, this is a mutual friend, aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? And eventually he was like, yeah, I'm so mad at Candace. I'm so mad at Candace. And this got back to me that he was upset with me, that he was angry at me. And the next time that I saw him, he was quite rude to me. He was actually rude to me. I'm telling you this personal story because I think it is something that made me for the first time question him as a person. So you have an individual that spent years defending you, right? And that individual gave you a completely kind and fair interview. You said something yourself that your base didn't like, and you somehow transformed that into something that I did wrong. Wow, what an ingrate. Yeah, you see, that's, that's the whole thing, Curtis. That's the whole thing. What happens is these people, when they start, when they were big supporters and they were, you know, the flag waivers and whatnot, which is great that the patriotism is up there. But once they start slipping in the celebrity thing, you know, or they get a little criticism from, you know, either the left or whatnot, and they, they, their little club, their social circle, when they start slipping, the first thing, oh, I hate Trump. You know, it, it, it's, that's how they redeem themselves. Mm. Mm, I see. You know, they're I not, see. They're not. They're not. They're thinking. They're thinking with their their social standing and not their brain. Mm. 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 No, no, no. You know, but I, I am. Uh, I am surprised, Don, at the number of people, particularly at this station, uh, normal contributors to this station, former Congressman Peter King, uh, Bo exactly. Deedle, yeah. um, uh, uh Dove Hikind that I have listened to recently and just throw Donald Trump under the bus. It's sort of like they don't even want to be seen with him. They don't even want you to know it at one time that they had been a very dear friend of his and a supporter of his. And I say, wow, you guys are cutting and running real quick. Yeah, I, I wish I had a nickel for everybody. Some said, oh, I'm such a dear friend of Donald Trump. I'd be richer than him. <laughs> oh, man, Don. And they're piling on. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's go to Eileen, who's calling from Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eileen. How you, I'm not going to say how you're doing. Curtis, I'm just uh, calling about the guy that the, your last caller had talking anti-Trump, and he wanted to know what Trump did. Curtis, are you there? Yes, I'm listening loud and clear. Okay. I just want to say we had no wars, inflation, what was it, 1.4? We had tax breaks for us as well as the rich guys, because the rich guys hire the poor guys. Oh, no, hire employees. He brought back 59 hostages. He gave more money than any other president to black colleges. Three vaccines, three of them. And he said... 
he tried to put a cap on TikTok and SpaceX. We had that Abrams Accords, which you you spoke uh, that other guy said about uh, Israel, and he built up our armed forces and law enforcement. He gave them more equipment. He down the troops to 2,500 in Afghanistan and made that agreement, which was broken by that Arab, but he made the agreement to withdraw from Afghanistan, showed the picture to the Taliban to say, this is your house. And oh, there's, there's no doubt, Eileen. In fact, uh, what I best liked about Trump, out of the many problems I had with him, is what he at his State of the Union address when he said, look, from now on, people who are in peril should not have to wait 10 years for the FDA to fully test a drug before they could use it to save their life. They'll be dead by then. And that was basic common sense. So I gave him props for that, and I gave him props for other things. But then there were other times, wow, eh, we definitely were at odds. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. On the weekend, Eva. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs>
It's the Swagger Man Express. Eric Adams from JFK to Athens, Athens to guitar. And Qatar eventually back to JFK. But the questions linger. Who's paying for this trip? Who's paying for this trip? Well, let's find out from Eric Adams, swagger man who never seems to have a plan. As he uh, talks about who the hell is paying for this uh, excursion, vacation, trip to Qatar to take in three days of World Cup action to supposedly learn about the security provisions that were put in place by the Qatarians before the events even took place. Oh, which one? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the host of the anti-Semitism um, mayoral conference, uh, they're picking that up. And for the uh, the uh, Cutter's trip, uh, I'm, it's on my dime. When I do my dime, I could do my time. And I won't hear one, anyone whine. <laughs> yeah, he's always laughing. When I do my dime, I do my time. And I don't want to hear anyone whine. What the hell is he, a rapper? What is that? Let, let me let me hear that. Let me let me hear that. Is that trip to Greece and Qatar taxpayer funded? Oh, which one? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the host of the anti-Semitism um, mayoral conference, uh, they're picking that up, and for the uh, the uh, Cutter's trip, uh, I'm, it's on my dime. When I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. <laughs> the hell is that? <laughs> when I do my dime, I do my time, and I don't want to hear anyone whine. You know, I heard, I heard the phrase "drop dime on you." And by the way, is anybody, uh, if they can explain, explain like Ricky Ricardo would say, I'm ready to explain, Lucy, what Eric Adams meant before he departed for Athens and Qatar, Qatar back to JFK. When I do my dime, I don't know how you do a dime. A dime of Coke? I, I mean, what is he talking about? When I do my dime, I do my time, and I don't want to hear anyone whine. 1-800-848-9222. I need an interpreter. I need an interpreter. 1-800-848-WABC. Is that trip to Greece and Qatar taxpayer funded? Oh, which one? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the host of the anti-Semitism um, mayoral conference, uh, they're picking that up. And for the... Uh, the uh, Cutter's trip, uh, I'm, it's on my dime. When I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. What <laughs> the hell is that? He's always got that nervous laugh, like, a, you know, like Eddie Haskell. Remember Leave it to Beaver, Eddie Haskell? He's so nice. And then he'd have that little laugh, like, oh, he got over like a fat rat. Oh, we can't speak of rats. The big story of the day. 
he got cited for having rats in his townhouse on Lafayette Avenue. And he has not paid the fine. That's also because he's never at that townhouse. He has no idea what's in that townhouse. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bonnie, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bonnie? Good morning, Curtis. Nice to speak with you again. I have two things. Um, For the gentleman who called in about Trump, and he just doesn't get it, why people like Trump or support him, Um, During the 2020 election, I was at a friend's house. My computer was not working, and I asked her to pull up on Google President Trump's accomplishments, and she pulled it up, and to our shock and surprise, she said, my goodness, look at this, and she said, would you like me to print it out for you since your computer's not working? I said, yes, please. She printed out single space, 38 pages Mm. of Donald Trump's accomplishments as the president of the United States. And when we got to the 38th page, she ran out of paper because there was a whole lot more to go. We don't like Trump uh, because he's Trump. We like Trump because of his accomplishments. And when you think of the presidents that we've had lately, Bush, Obama, Biden, He's a shining star. He he accomplished more than the three of them put together, okay? And I don't like the Twitter remarks. I don't like the name calling. I don't like any of that. But I use my common sense. And when it comes time to vote, you vote for the person who is best going to do the job. Mm. And Trump did the job. Whether you like him or you don't like him, he was an outstanding president. And for four years, America flourished and he made America great again. We will always love Trump. We will always support Trump. So I would suggest that gentleman go on and Google President Trump's accomplishments. Now, they may have removed it by now, but that was in 2020. Over with that. One last thing, Curtis. I have a little thing for you on gin and tonic. Uh, Many years ago when India was the crown jewel in the British Empire's colonies, right? A lot of Brits were living in India at the time, and they were getting very, very sick with malaria in India many years ago. And the Indians got quinine from a tree in India, from the sap and the bark of a tree. And the quinine is what they used to call tonic water many years ago when I was a child. Nobody called it tonic water. They called it quinine water. And the Indian people would mix it, their servants and their house people would mix it to cure malaria in the Brits. And the Brits didn't like the taste of it because it was very bitter. They used to say, spike it with gin. And that's where gin and tonic came from. Now, I think the tree at that time was called the fever. A nickname for it was the fever tree and uh, because it reduced fevers. And now... I'm not in the medical field, but it's possible that the malaria came from mosquitoes that bit you that might have been carrying some sort of virus. And so, yes, I think tonic water and quinine water could possibly help. As you said, the people, I think, in Eastern Europe uh, drink a little bit of it every day. It definitely has great qualities, and there's a great product on the market now called Fever Tree Tonic Water. And it's flavored with elder flour. It is incredibly good. And uh, if you want a very refreshing drink, you buy that. You don't even need the gin. Now, question. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> question, Bonnie. You yes. said quinine water. Is that also considered quinine water? Well, I guess so, yes. 
quinine is another way people can pronounce it. That's correct. But you're and right. You're, you're right. Uh, when I was in India, I went from mm-hmm. Bombay, where they've changed the name now, to uh, Madras, they've changed the name, mm-hmm. down uh-huh. to the coast, Pancheri. And uh, uh, some of the older natives, um, you know, they have different caste systems. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to drink, you know. But let's face it, in every society, there are people that drink. And I remember they were having gin and tonics. I didn't ask him about it. I was just a bit taken aback that the um, the Hindus that they were were drinking. Well, mm-hmm. that that probably makes sense that they inherited that from the Brits who had colonized the area and probably were succumbing to malaria in uh, huge numbers. I had to believe that mm-hmm. they were dying in huge ways. And, boy, this is a great way of uh, warding off malaria just dousing yourself with gin and tonic. Right. And then I, I think, too, that there are uh, uh, quinine or quinine, whatever way we pronounce it, tablets that you can take if you're going to these countries like Africa and India that still have malaria. I, I think there's such a thing, but I'm not sure. But um, it has, you know, very, very good healing qualities and properties in it and uh, i guess they just drank it like that but the the english like to spike it with the gin and they would only drink it if it was spiked with gin and that's that's how it all came about gin oh there's no doubt bonnie uh when the ukrainian cab drivers were telling me at the height of the lockdown and pandemic just drink a little swig of tonic water each day to ward off the then-coronavirus and now the variants, uh, COVID-19. You're right. Even a little swig is extraordinarily bitter. Extraordinarily bitter. Let's go to Connor calling from Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Connor. Hey, Curtis. How are you? First-time caller. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess I just found out from my dad the other day. I met you about 30 years ago when I was a kid, uh, baby. Um, not going to say his name, but I I don't know anything about tonic water either, but um, Eric Adams, can you play that um, clip again? Yes, uh, we will play time. that clip again so that you can hear Eric Adams, our mayor, rhyming and try to figure out what the hell he's talking about. And when I do my dime, I can do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. Uh, I think he's ready to. Uh, I think he's ready to do his ten and go to jail for something going on in his corrupt little world. Right. Well, see, see, look, look, listen to the words. He's going to do it. He he's starts do his time, he, and he's going to, and he doesn't want anyone to whine. Right. So, Connor, he starts off. I do my dime. Now, years ago, I'm pretty sure you say to somebody, "You got a dime." You know, we're talking cocaine there. Then other times, uh, okay, you say, I do my time. And let's face it, that means you're going to the big house, not the White House, as you said, Connor. And then I didn't, I don't want to hear anyone whine. Well, when you're the mayor of the city of New York, you're going to hear a lot of taxpayers whine, especially when you're going on a, an extravaganza to Qatar to watch soccer and supposedly learn about security. I got to say, I've been listening to your late night shows and you tracking him in the clubs on Friday nights. It's it's something else. Show me the money. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. The classic. I, I, I've, been, uh, I've been waiting to hear that. 
Oh, that, that's right. We, Show we... me the money. Show me the money. Oh, that's what it's all about. And for Eric Adams and a lot of politicals, Democrats and Republicans, that's what it's about, Connor. It's all about the money. And boy, he's he's going to regret. He he's going to regret saying that in a soundbite form because I'm going to play it again and again and again. Show me the money. Show me the money. And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. What the hell is that? I have no idea what the hell he's saying. And I'm a street dude. And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. All right. If I do my when I do my dime, that means if I did a dime's worth of cocaine, you might get arrested for that. Then I do my time, that makes sense. And I don't want to hear anyone whine. All right, that makes sense, too, because when a guy gets locked up and you got caught, you got caught, they don't want to hear you whine. So I'm getting closer to it. Although it's quite discombobulated. If anybody else out there can please decipher what this guy is saying. He's trying to act cool, hip, fly with it. You know, like a Shaft, he's a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Superfly, TNT, like... Like the stars of the black exploitation movies of the 70s. Do people talk like that? Can I hear that again? And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. Man, this guy can't do time. First of all, you can't wear a $5,000 customized suit in lockup. Man, this guy cannot do time. You, you can spot somebody right away and you say, that guy can do time. That guy, he's a prima donna. He's like Sid Rosenberg. You think Sid Rosenberg of our morning show could do time in a jail cell? You think, Spectacular. You think Sid Rosenberg could end up in the Bing? Solitary confinement? I'm the man. They'd have to put him in PC, Punk City, protective custody. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I need interpreters to tell me what the hell the mayor was talking about. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jim, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. Good morning. I want to thank you for your service to the city and the state. I can't believe you're still alive. You, you never sleep. But my question is, uh, apparently there was a conference of mayors over there on anti-Semitism. Were there any other mayors in attendance, or was he the sole conference himself? Was it a me, myself, and I conference? Not sure. It it was a last-minute invitation, but I will tell you this. He said something there that, again, I can't quite understand. And maybe, Jim, I want to play it for you and our audience. See if they can understand it. He was equating the rise of anti-Semitism to a frog in a pot of hot water. The first was this experiment we did in school. It seems a little hideous now, but it was something that we did. You would take a frog and put it in a pot of hot water and it would jump out right away. But if you took that same frog and you placed it in cool water and turned up the temperature just slightly, it will stay there until it, it boils itself to death. Now, 
Jim, why would you use an analogy like that when you're talking about anti-Semitism? Well, it's like I think he answered, whatever question you answer, he answers a different question. He never answers the question on point. He always tries to go left and go right. He can't look you in the eye and give you a straight answer. He's got some of them, uh, the old Marion Barry out of Washington, D.C. in him, I think. Yeah, that's a very good comparison. Uh, I knew Marion Barry in D.C. He uh, hated my guts uh, when I brought the Guardian Angels there. But it's interesting because Marion Barry was just a regular guy who was elected an alderman, uh, Southeast uh, Anacostia. And then he was in City Hall one day, and these radical Muslims broke in, who, by the way, were being uh, subsidized by then Lou Alcinda, a.k.a. Karim Abdul-Jabbar. They were staying at his mansion in northwest D.C. They come in, guns blazing. They're going to take over City Hall. And the one guy they shoot is who? It's the man who eventually uses that as a catapult to go on to become mayor of Washington, D.C., Marion Barry. They didn't have any intention to shoot him, but they were just shooting guns off in all different directions, and they'd take over a city hall. I forget which uh, point they were trying to make, but he ended up getting shot. He recovered, and he used that uh, to uh, pole vault his way into the mayoralty. And what a hot mess he was, Jim, in his professional and personal life. Well, apparently, uh, I think uh, our current mayor has to be probably a little more uh, aware because of social networking and and eyes in the sky on him. But I think he's just as crazy, just as corrupt. And if we really had the inside camera on uh, this despicable mayor... Uh, he would be he would be impeached. I I firmly believe. Well, that's see, that's a difficult process. Uh, the way our government <clears throat> is structured throughout New York State, we don't have recall like California has recall when they want to uh, change over, flip out of their elected officials for any number of reasons. We saw that with the San Francisco County DA Boudin who was birthed by radicals from, uh, ah, you say to yourself, he started with SDS, Students for a Democratic Society, Mark Rudd, Columbia University, but they felt he was uh, not uh, radical enough. They had taken over Columbia University, but they wanted a radical takeover of America by all means necessary, almost a ripoff of the Malcolm X uh, statement, and they became the weather underground. The weather underground. Wow. Going in a lot of different directions now. Let's go to Leah in Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah. I have a thing to say. First of all, uh, what's his name's rap? Uh, could the dime refer to a dime bag? You mean a marijuana? Something, you know. Yeah, I always thought a dime was Coke. Now, yeah, the nickel and dime bags. Well, I'm not, I'm not into that, so I don't know, you know, which it would refer to, but I've heard the term dime bag. Yeah, yeah. In fact, let's play it again, Leah. Let's, uh, let's bisect it and dissect it because there are like three parts to it. Uh, let's okay, see. Can I give you my other things first? 
Of I have asked quite a number of people, and they don't know of any conference for anti-Semitism in Greece. Well, it was there. I mean, uh, I saw a film of it. There was uh, delegations oh. there. Well, did he ask his mentors? Did he consult with his mentors, you know, Alan Lewis, before he went? No, no. No, uh, apparently. Oh, didn't. No, no. Apparently, Ooh. it was a last-minute arrangement. The uh, the individuals who organized the conference invited him, and so he decided to uh, appear at the conference. And then all of a sudden, spent three days in Qatar. And I'm saying to myself, "What well, the?" Hell? He didn't. He didn't ask his mentors, Al and Lewis. No, he did not. Uh, he did not ask Ooh, Al Slim Shady Sharpton if he had permission to leave the city. Wow. And when I do my dime, I could do my time. And I won't hear one, anyone whine. Now, he said he went to Qatar to learn security for the World Games, World Cup, which in four years will take place again and probably without Italy. This is like the second time Italy didn't even qualify for World Cup. They're probably all jumping off of cliffs there in Italy. But little did he realize although he should have, that Arkham Baricic, Rudy Giuliani, had actually trained the Qatarians in security years ago for the Southeast Asian Games. So, all practicality. I mean, Sid Rosenberg has been trying uh, to conduct a shidduch to get Rudy together with Eric Adams for them to break bread, unleavened bread, and, and have a meal so that Rudy can school Eric Adams on the things that he might want to do. But uh, let's play uh, Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, let's play how Rudy uh, trained the Qatarians. I spent um, with uh, Giuliani safety and security and must have been altogether subcontractors, contractors, and everything else. We had about 15 people working there. Uh, the main focus was they were going to have the Asian Games as a prelude to what they're doing now and, and what they hope to do in the future, uh, have big events in Qatar. And we helped uh, design the security for those games. And they really didn't have much of a police force. Uh, and we helped them design uh, the contours of a police force and uh, been back there several times since then. It uh, stayed with them through the Asian Games, attended the Asian Games, uh, which is the basis for a lot of the security they're doing now. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of funny that Adams is going to Qatar to learn about security. And uh, when I was mayor of Qatar, I wanted to learn about security from me. <laughs> oh. And tonight, boy, Sid Rosenberg was lobbying Friday night. He was lobbying heavily, the former mayor, to have a sit-down on December 14th with Eric Adams at a restaurant to be determined. And I was doing everything I could to run interference against that by saying to uh, Rudy in front of Sid, look, you can't break bread with Eric Adams. He called you publicly a racist. He's got to apologize to you first. And you know Rudy. Rudy is uh, he's a stand-up guy. And I think that got to him. We'll see. Meantime, uh, Sid, Sid Roseberg was pissed off with me.
That's for sure. Let's go to Laura in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Laura. Yes. I know what the mayor's rap is about. Okay, so do you, do I need to play it for you, or, or you you got? Oh no, no, you don't need you don't need to play it. Um, okay, I just woke up, but I got to tell you because the dime refers to spending his own money. Okay, the dime is his own money. Okay, I do yeah, my but, dime. You, know, you do it on when you do it on your own dime, you spend your money. So when he went to the soccer match, everybody was all at a joint, and he said, "I spent my own money, used a dime." He did his own time, and he doesn't want to hear anybody talk about it. And when I do my dime, I can do my time, and I won't hear one, anyone whine. Yeah, that was just for traveling, and he used his own money, so he just wanted to make that clear. Do we think he used his own money, Laura? Yeah, I do, absolutely. That's expensive, Laura. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't do it, but... No, 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 I mean, but think about it, um, and first off... You know what? Yeah, he wanted to clear his plate. I think that he has good intentions, and he just wanted to make sure everyone knew that it wasn't on the taxpayer's money. Do you think maybe he can just show, like, receipts just to prove it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, if he has to. Yeah. Well, okay. Who would he show them to? Okay. He should show them to you. No, 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 <laughs> he doesn't have to show. He can just, you know, he has a press conference a day. The media is going to yeah. ask him that. They will, they will want to know that he paid for it himself. Um, and I think if he just showed the receipts, boom, it's over. It's... We, we used to call that CYA, cover your, you know what. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. Well, no, no, yeah, I appreciate you explaining that to me, Laura. I really do. I hadn't thought of it that way. Why did I think drugs were involved with I do. I, can, can I hear that again, uh, please? And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. When I do my dime, do it. Okay, could mean that too. Could mean though what Laura said. If I do my dime, you know, it's like when you drop dime on somebody, you're putting a. You can't use that in a payphone anymore. That won't make a call a dime. You see, no, no. I don't know. I, I'm still perplexed by that. I'm thinking cocaine. I, I really am. Hey, go out and get a dime of cocaine, right? You, you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? I know there's some of you that do coke out there. Go out and get me a dime of cocaine. You've heard that phrase before, haven't you? Let's go to Roger in Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rog. Yeah. Yeah, hi, thanks. Uh, I was going to try to tackle both of them, the frog analogy and the uh, the rap thing. Uh, the, the, the frog analogy is um, the gradual normalization of certain things. Um, there's uh, an increase in anti-Semitic behavior and attacks. There's been an increase, for instance, even in mass shootings. There's been, uh, we heard six years of uh, Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad. It's like almost like advertising with, with him. You know, it's like an advertising campaign against him. But the other things, they become so normalized that we become uh, numb to them. Maybe that's what Eric Adams was uh, talking about, was he gradually, you can boil a frog if you do it gradually. You know, like uh, Hitler's assistant said, you know, you tell enough lies over and over and over and over again, uh, you'll get, you know, more and more people to believe it. Uh, eventually. 
See, Roger, uh, I think the uh, the better story that he could have told was the story of the frog and the scorpion. You know how the frog, the scorpion says, hey, can I hitch a ride with you over to the other side? And the frog is hesitant because he knows the scorpion uh, stings. And so he says, I promise you, I'm not going to sting you because I know if I sting you, we're both going to die. We're going to drown. So the frog decides, okay, get on my back, Mr. Scorpion. And they're about halfway out. And uh, all of a sudden, the scorpion says, I'm going to have to sting you. And and the frog says, what do you mean? If you sting me out here, we're both going to drown and die. He goes, I, I can't help myself. I'm just so used to it. Which is really what anti-Semitism is about. It's constantly... Even when it's to the detriment of the people who are involved, it's almost like their DNA won't allow them to put the uh, the brakes on and stop bothering Jewish people. Yeah, the intervention needs to be done there. Um, it's almost like an addiction. Well, I tell you, really, where it or, has or to the be. The more they get away with it, or the more they see people. You know, I don't know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, Roger, you got to deal with it uh, at a very, very young age. So you need to address it in the schools. That's the one time you have kids that are a captive audience, whether it's private, parochial schools, charter schools, public schools. And there needs to be curriculum involving anti-Semitism. You really got to get them young because the older they get, they hear all this stuff, especially of late in the African-American community because of Farrakhan's influence. Do you know that in the most recent polls of renowned African-Americans in the country, uh, the two males that were rated one and two, Barack Obama, number one, Louis Farrakhan, number two. That tells you a hell of a lot right there. You know what? I remember, now that you say it, I remember in grammar school, second, third, fourth grade, uh uh, kids would make fun of the uh, Jewish kids because of the yarmulke. They called them beanies, and I thought that. And it's and it seemed, yeah, I don't want to say normal, but you know, you hear it. I heard, remember hearing it all the time, and um, and and I didn't think much of it. And that's right, at a very young age. Yeah, well, Roger, Roger, the kids, the uh, Gentile kids, would snatch the yarmulkes off the kid's head. You know, because it was always attached with a bobby pin, and right. and we'd fling it around like it was a frisbee. You know, and oh, you'd throw right. it back and forth, and then eventually you'd just give it to the oh. kid. You know, but again, you know, it, it, it's ingrained in the Gentiles to either mm-hmm. either blame the Jews, bother the Jews, harass the Jews. We can't leave the Jews alone. Wow. So it's historical. I mean, it's centuries. So the only yeah. way the only way to vet it out of your system is to really deal with it at a very young age. Because the younger the kids are, they don't they don't determine. Uh, they don't look at determinations of separation. They're pretty much uh, very open minded to accept everybody as an equal. So if you can ingrain in them the fact, leave the Jews alone. They are not responsible for all the problems in the world. Jay-Z, they do not own all the real estate. LeBron James, they do not own all the money. You know, just straighten it out right from the get-go. 
Now, and, I, and we didn't, I mean, I don't know of anyone who have learned it from their parents. I think it was simply because of the amica with little, little children. Oh, this looks different. Oh, this looks funny. Uh, I think that, that's all that was involved with the little children. That, uh, that know, the, but also I'll tell you the other lightning rod, and I think a lot of Jewish people don't realize that, uh, the Bible indicates that Jews, the Old Testament, are the chosen people. They have to carry the message of God. That's a lot of work. Uh, it ain't easy to be a messenger, especially when you're in the desert for in 40 years, you know, struggling mm-hmm. to get to, to the promised land. But you see, the Gentiles look at that when you say we're the chosen people of God. Oh, you think you're better than us? Right, exactly. Well, that's the, the adults, the adults. Right, but, and, the, adu- but the, the kids are listening to adult conversations which they're going to be privy to because there are always kids around. All right. Well, that one would be news. I mean, I, I never heard. But now, doesn't the um, certain religion uh, this day, the Islamic religion, come from the um, come from Ishmael? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just to uh, to really zone in on it, uh, especially if they believe in the crucifixion, the Gentiles. Uh, it has been passed down through centuries uh, when a little kid looks up at Jesus Christ on that cross and he's he's tortured. You know, he's bleeding. Right. He's been lanced. He's got uh, he's got nails that have been driven through his uh, arms, his hands and his uh, feet, uh, which is like a form of torture. And uh, you ask, you ask as a little kid, uh, how did, what happened to Jesus? And some adults will say, "Oh, the Jews did it." And and, 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 and right, and the Hebrews would say that the Romans did it. Exactly. Uh, although I was told the Pharisees, and I, what what the hell are the Pharisees? And then my uncle would say, "Oh, the Jews." So you think the worst? It's like, oh my God, why would they do that to Jesus? And then you get taught right. later on in theology that Jesus died for the sins of the world, that he wanted to die. It's not like he, uh, he, you know, he was snatched up and he died. He That was his purpose in being in the world, was to eventually die uh, to absolve us of the sins. Well, he was willing to. Not so much wanted to, but he was willing to. Correct. Correct, but it, yeah. he didn't know what the mechanism would be, but he, he, he was more right. than prepared to do it. And remember, you get guys like Mel Gibson, right? They, they do, I think it was, what, Last Temptation of Christ, uh, the movie. And the whole thing is about torture of Jesus Christ on his way uh, to being crucified. And you see, Catholics, they're into the crucifixion. Protestants, they're into the resurrection. Yeah, that's why you don't see Protestants wearing crosses. Catholics wear like 52 crosses on chains. You know, they're immersed in the crucifixion. And you mentioned the Catholics. And what about the, the resurrection, you know, Easter Sunday? Oh, yeah, that happened too. Whereas the Protestants, you go to a Protestant church, you almost don't even see a cross because they're totally immersed in the resurrection, not so much the crucifixion. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no. You look at that Mel Gibson film. Oh, my God. You say. I I, I don't watch any of that stuff. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't watch. No. I don't know. 
But yeah, see, the interesting thing now that I brought up Mel Gibson, brought up to be an anti-Semite by his father, a virulent anti-Semite. Uh, it's interesting that Mike Tyson was not an anti-Semite, but he's had other problems, serious problems. He's a rapist. Uh, and he was forgiven by the general public. You know, they see Mike Tyson now, he's like a little teddy bear. Right. And he told Mel Gibson, he goes, Mel, you got to do what I did. You get up there on the stage when you're doing your TV programs, you know, the, 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 the women's programs especially, because they're the ones most suspect of you, whether it's The View, whether it's Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah, and you start crying. You break down like a little baby, and you ask for the box of Kleenex, and that's always the signal to women, oh, yeah, yeah, he, 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 he's learned the, the wrong of his ways. But Mel Gibson would never do that. Think, think, think of what's happened wow. with the image of Mike Tyson. The guy's an animal. He's a brute, a rapist. Americans love him. He's like a teddy bear. Ah, Mike, he cries all the time. <laughs> I have sinned. Probably was watching Jimmy Schwaggett uh, when he was uh, young and working the chain up uh, in terms of his boxing expertise up in the Catskills. I have sinned. Forgive me. God, I'll never forget that. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. this in common? Eric Adams, soccer man with no plan. And Frank Morano, the Mamaluk, they're both taking vacations to parts unknown. We have no idea whatsoever. But let's go, if we can, to uh, Steve in Bay Ridge. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis, how are you? Uh, love you. Great, great show. Uh, I just didn't know that we had Nipsey Russell as our mayor. I'm just <laughs> going to do rhyming all the time, and... Uh, it makes me uh, makes me think we're back in 1970. Anyway, getting back to getting back to his trip to Qatar. How many people went with him, uh, uh, Curtis? And who are we paying to take the trip with him? He well, might have paid his own dime. 
you know, you know they always bring their entourage and the people and the security, and we're paying for that. It's yeah, I, I, it, there's no way for us to know at this moment other than if he had boots on the ground. But you know he's got a police detail. There's no doubt about that. His brother Bernard, who's supposedly on the payroll to protect him from white supremacists, of which he's not going to find uh, any in Qatar, that's for sure. So figure he's traveling with about six cops, a press uh, attache, a deputy mayor, uh, some other flim-flam appointment, uh, you know, that has to do with uh, Qatar. So I'm probably about a 10-person group, and he ain't paying for none of them. I tell you that, we are. There's no way. I had a friend of mine just went there, two games, three days, round trip, $11,000 for two people. Yeah. It's not cheap. No, no, and you know, plus, so- plus, remember, he is saying that his trip to the uh, anti-Semitic uh, 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 conference was paid for by the host, which is plausible, but then how's he going to get to Qatar, and how's he going to get back from Qatar to JFK? That's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, but as Tipsy, I... I- I'm just Nipsey Russell. I'll tell you the way it is. It's his time, his time, and don't whine. All right. Well, let's see that. I do my dime. I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. I can do my time. If I could, no. If I can, no. What the? And when I do my dime, I could do my time, and I won't hear one anyone whine. What the hell is that? I don't know. It's guy. He's got me on that one. Yeah. Meantime, his son is in Albania, trying to win Albanian Idol. Tomorrow we got to play this cut. Before he left to uh, the anti-Semitic uh, Semitic conference in uh, Athens, uh, Greece, he stopped off and raised an Albanian flag down there, the battery. He's never done anything uh, with the Albanian community before. He had Albanian TV there. He was doing the, uh, the hands together like the Eagles. He was lobbying, basically, for his son to win Albanian Idol. Who the hell goes all the way to Albania to compete in the American version of American Idol, Albanian style? By the way, you know the fix is in. Uh, Tomorrow we'll play the rap song that his son is singing. It is maybe the worst rap song I have ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot of bad rap songs. 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bam, 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 I ran. Bam, 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 I ran. Okay, all of you who are these newfound soccer fans, something that I call the fake, phony, fraudulent football, they spell with a U, kickball, kickball, goal, and you know, you all happy the other day that the United States beat uh, Iran on the pitch in Qatar, sending Iran home. 
to certain death, destruction, beatings, abuse, being uh, turned upside down and held into vats of excrement, having Iranian security guards beating the bottoms of their feet with rattans, impaling them like uh, Mel Gibson was in Braveheart, all of that. You remember what happened, ladies and gentlemen, while you were cheering on the Americans who have no chance at the World Cup title. It's the knockout round, and in fact, at, what is it, uh, 10 o'clock today, they'll be playing the Netherlands, uh, the Dutch, and that means even the Dutch, while smoking ropes of dope and uh, having their hash brownies in Amsterdam before they came to Qatar, uh, they will overwhelm the Americans. I mean, it's their sport. The Dutch love soccer. Well, how do you rate soccer in America? And they've been trying to brainwash us ever since, I remember, they pulled their resource into the New York Cosmos, and they brought in uh, Pele. Pele who has cancer now. We hope he gets better. But they brought him in from Brazil. They brought Canaglia in from Italy. They brought Beckenbauer in from Germany. The three best players in the world at that time. And I think they had Messing in gold. I think they had Messing in goal, but he was a local guy. Point being is they tried to brainwash an entire new generation to say that, oh, oh, soccer, you know, this is back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, young people immersed in soccer. Every kid plays soccer. It's a sport where you can throw everybody on the pitch. Everybody gets to run up and down, and you end up with scores like nil-nil, zero-zero, boring. And they never indoctrinated America. Smash Mouth American football is number one. Number two, baseball, it's fading because it's so uh, it's so slow in terms of the way it's played and it's so predictable. And everybody is just swinging for a home run. They've forgotten the fundamentals or they refuse to play the fundamentals. And, of course, there's always NBA professional basketball. They keep trying to brainwash. So I had said over and over – if only America could have thrown that match on the pitch against Iran. Lose today, and Iranians will live tomorrow. But, oh, no, 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 no. We have illusions of grandeur. We're going to get into the knockout round, which we are now with the Netherlands, starting at 10 o'clock today. And suddenly we're going to go on to the World Cup. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Let's go to Mel in Saratoga Springs. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mel. Uh, yes, Curtis, thank you for taking my call. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, first of all, uh, my, your buddy who was a trainer in Aqueduct, Neil, what, the, what was Neil's? I think it was Neil you said, but I forget his last name. Uh, uh, anyway. Well, they, I, I think I've spoken of the horse owner, Michael Dubbs. He owns quite a, he's a horseman. He owns quite oh, yeah. a few thoroughbreds, oh, yeah. yes. He's loaded. Yeah, Doug's loaded. We all know Doug's loaded. But there was a trainer that you said it was a friend of yours. But anyway, let's get back to this jackass uh, Eric Adams. He should have said, when I'm on my time, I'll spend my time. But we all know this is an administrative cost. It's, going to, it's an administrative cost. He's on, he's on his trip. He's going to charge it to the New York, to the uh, uh, administration there in New York City. And you guys are going to end up paying for it. You know, this guy, you know, Rachel, off you see that. This guy, he's as phony as a $3 bill. I don't know how you put up with the you – know, he's, he's a joke. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an American who happens to be black, and I can't stand the son of a gun. I'm serious. This is a heart attack. This guy, I don't know. He's a joke. The whole, the whole kit and caboodle down there is a joke. 
you know, Julie, Rudy Giuliani, Mayor Giuliani, you know, they're not a pimple on his backside. The whole administrator put together down there. Oh, no doubt, Mel, no doubt. And I think people have begun to see that they got bamboozled. Eric Adams used technology. I was a cop for 22 years. He was a house mouse. He clearly does not understand policing. You can see that by the way police are assigned, what they're being asked to do. The shakeup in the police department, all the higher echelon, it's almost like they're being shuttled out. It's going to be a hot mess, and we're not going to have the money to sustain it in the beginning of the year as we have a uh, potentially $10 billion debt hanging over our heads and nowhere to offset that debt. Let's go to Silverman calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Silverman. Yeah, how you doing? Um, this, is, this is exactly the topic that uh, I was calling about uh, with Eric Adams. I think Eric Adams is a businessman at heart. He's going to these other countries to see if they go get sponsors for American uh, football, um, you know, like a soccer stadium. Um, it's still a big sport. A lot of colleges have a soccer program. Um, a lot, so the thing is that the people are smaller now than before. Like, you know, like baseball, you got to be tall. So this sport, if they're starting to build this sport, now they got an American soccer team playing. It's being competitive. So he wants to get sponsors and start all these stadiums. Like right now, Kathy Hoku is going to open a big stadium in Buffalo. Maybe he could make a, a, a division there for, for a, soccer, a soccer team and work with that and get sponsors. Which he got a $10 billion debt. How are you going to get that? You're going to go out there and and use those nice hot bottom shoes that he got and schmooze with the higher ups and get some money, get some funding. Now, question. Uh, you mentioned early on in your uh, conversation, your statement, that you felt because people were bigger now or smaller that they were more amenable to soccer. I didn't quite understand what you were saying. No, no. What, what I'm saying is that, you know, to be a baseball player, you got to be tall. You know, I used to play baseball and I wouldn't get. I wouldn't get in, 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 in the um, I couldn't even get in the mini leagues in a in a in a little kid team because I was short doing five for four, so I couldn't play first show stop. They would throw me in the outfield somewhere. So now as a soccer player, if you want, you're gonna do a lot of running. It doesn't care too much about height. You could use your dexterity there, you know, and um, you could pick up a scholarship. Well, they see player. this is this is the problem because I watched uh, my sons play soccer is uh, there's no competition. You could lose. Like my youngest son, Hunter, is a goalie, and he's lost every game. And they all get trophies. They all get certificates. They're all applauded as if they're winners. And they're not going to have that aggressiveness. If Imagine, you lost every game in your season. You, you play you goal. Scholarship. I understand what you're saying. Or you pick up a scholarship because he's healthy, he qualifies, he knows the game. He knows the game. So he qualifies, and he gets a better coach. Yeah, but I'm telling you, you're not going to be aggressive. if You lose every game, and they give you trophies. They give you certificates of appreciation. They pat you on the back like you're an all-star. You're a loser, right? We all went through that. I went through that in Little League. I went through that in high school. Your team didn't do that well. They looked at you and they said, hey, Sleewood, you're the captain of the JV here. Guess what? I'm looking at your record right now. You're a loser. Why don't you think of another sport? Hey, I'm the captain of the baseball team. Yeah, you're a captain of nothing. Nothing leads to nothing. Check this out. On the 
weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Sip your tea. The memory of all that. No, no, they can't take that away from me. The way you smile, Jeff B. The hell you think this is? Joe Piscopo, the, the Sinatra, two-hour extravaganza, Sunday nights from six to eight, sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. No, actually, uh, it's Frank Sinatra because uh, earlier uh, in the evening, first it was Noam Layden, our uh, news director, and then followed by Bob Brown, our senior uh, news person, who indicated that there's a consortium that has put together the money necessary to have a Broadway musical about Frank Sinatra. So I'm going to be asking you questions. If you had a choice... To go to one musical show, one musical show alone. Would it be the new show that will debut on Broadway featuring uh, the life and times of Frank Sinatra and obviously all of his songs? Or would you want to go to the Phantom of the Opera, which uh, has been given a reprieve on Broadway and will extend its run to April 16th? Or would you want to go to Jersey Boys uh, about Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons? Or Say It Ain't So, MJ the Musical, the favorite uh, musical of the Thriller album, 40th anniversary, that uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, this week at 4 o'clock was all for toots about, along with his staff, Kevin Perez, his mindless board operator who is uh, like immersed in soccer, that fake, phony, fraudulent football they spell with a U. Diego, who will be coming in uh, very soon, uh, who was last seen stabbing his 72-inch big plaza TV at home because Mexico got beat by uh, Saudi Arabia and they're out of the competition for World Cup. And Rich Radavalli, who fancies himself as some kind of DJ from the 50s, who is the uh, senior uh, director uh, involved with uh, Rudy Giuliani, James Golden, the 5 o'clock roundtable uh, discussion with, uh, with John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, and uh, Rita Cosby at night. So the question is, would you want to go to the MJ, the musical, Michael Jackson featuring Thriller, that pedophile on a pedestal? Or would you want to go to uh, Jersey Boys, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, maybe hear a little Big Girls Don't Cry? Do you want to hear Phantom of the Opera since it's been extended to April 16th? And many of you on this very program were crying when it was announced 
that Phantom of the Opera would be closing its doors and going black on Broadway after 35 years. And then all of a sudden, money poured in. People were saying, oh, no, we got to catch it one last time, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Would you want to see Phantom of the Opera, the music of the night? Or would you want to see the brand-new musical slated to critique the life and times of Frank Sinatra and all of his many songs? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You know, I ought to have my own musical hour here at uh, WABC. I mean, come on, Broadway Bill Lee, right? You got uh, Vinny Madugno. He'll be coming up at 5 o'clock in just a few hours. Uh, the Staten Island kid teaches in Port Richmond High School by day, entertains at night. And has his own hour extravaganza before his mentor, Cousin Brucey, who's on from 6 to 10. Nothing more to say about Cousin Brucey. He's the iconic figure of our weekend of entertainment at WABC, followed by Tony Orlando without Dawn. And then we do it all over again on Sundays. Yep, Sundays with uh, the uh, Staten Island kid, Vinny Madugno, 5 to 6. And it's... Uh, Jersey Joe Piscopo with the uh, Sinatra two-hour extravaganza, six to eight, sponsored by Ramsey Mazda, and then finished up with Dina Martin spinning stacks of wax of her father, Dean Martin. Uh, I got I to gotta muscle in an hour of music. Yeah, EDM, electronic dance music, could be R&B, could be any number of things, but we certainly can't let James Golden and his crew do it because right away, what, what did they do? They picked Michael Jackson, the pedophile, on a pedestal. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. one 800 848 Nobody going to sleep. We're taking you to the break of dawn. Let's go to Jonathan, who's been... Uh, waiting online in Michigan, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jonathan. No problem, Curtis, no problem. The disco duck is going to be the mayor. Your disco duck, go disco duck, go disco duck, go disco duck, go disco duck. You like that, Curtis? Go disco duck, what the hell? Curtis. What the hell are you talking You're... about? What other am I? You know what it is? You're out there in Michigan, in the northern country, not far from Canada. A lot of iron ore up there. A lot of bear, a lot of deer. You're out there in a cabin by yourself, getting a little cabin fever. Oh, my God, oh my. That guy was a real piece of work.
See, that's all for you, Jonathan, uh, alone in your cabin, experiencing cabin fever up there near the Canadian border where iron ore meets bears and deer, raccoons and possum. You think uh, Jonathan appreciated that, Broadway Bill Lee? Of course he didn't. He took it for granted that you would be able to pull out that stack of wax and spin it for him. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jerry calling all the way from Detroit. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jer. Well, I'm not calling from Detroit. I'm calling from Northdale, New Jersey. All right, we'll go with you first, Jerry, in New Jersey, and then we'll flip the script to Jerry in Detroit. Go for it. Okay, I have one question. Why did this alleged mayor make the trip to Guitar? Why, is it because the, the World Cup is coming to this area in 2026? Well, does anyone tell he, he's... Does anyone, he says he he says this, Jerry. But you got to understand, he is uh, his term is finished at twenty twenty five. That'll be four years, and there's a very good chance that the rate he's going, his approval level is twenty nine percent. That's extraordinarily low. That he may go the way of David Dinkins, you know, four years and then out. But in twenty twenty six, they're having a series of matches. In Canada, in America, and in Mexico, and one of the cities is uh, Secaucus, East Rutherford, in New Jersey, not New York yeah, City. The, yeah, the, yeah, the stadium is not even, is not even located in this jurisdiction. There's no jurisdiction at MetLife Stadium. That's just for the, uh, I guess, the New Jersey State Police, not the NYPD. Exactly. In fact, this happened, uh, if you remember, when there was the, um, uh, we had the Super Bowl. Uh, in MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, I guess about 10 years ago, it was uh, the Denver Broncos, I believe it was, against the Seattle Seahawks. I think that was the uh, Super Bowl there. But New York City had nothing to do with that. Nothing. That was when Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, was governor. Yeah, so, Jerry, you're absolutely right. And the media has given him a complete pass on that when he explains, oh, I have to go to Qatar uh, to, uh, you know, check uh, to see how the security is in preparation for World Cup in 2026, when he may not even be mayor. At the rate he's going, Jerry, I got to tell you that. The rate he's going, he ain't going to be getting into another four years. Anyway, let's go to Jerry in Detroit as we flip the script. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Hey, Curtis. I listen to you all the time. Um, I, I just called in about the um, musicals, and I, I personally would like to see the Frank Sinatra one if it's done right. It's had no reviews, but I would like to see that. I really would. I like Frank Sinatra. Oh, there's, and, there's, uh, God there's, bless you. There, God bless America. Yeah, there's no doubt that if they're able to pull this off and actually get a musical about the life and times of Frank Sinatra on the Great White Way, Broadway, that they're going to have a packed house. They're going to have people who are going to be online waiting for tickets for a month of Sundays. Uh, It should be a good show. I mean, it should be a good show. I don't think it's ever been done before. I believe that. I really do. Hopefully it's done right, and everybody will love it. 
Listen, God bless you. God bless America. And I'm going to let you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, 1-800-848-9222. You've got a choice. Uh, If you could only go to one musical, one musical only on Broadway. There's the new musical about the life and times of Frank Sinatra. There is the extension of the Phantom of the Opera that was supposed to have closed before the beginning of the year, but they're extending it because the demand has been so great for tickets to April 16th. There's Jersey Boys with Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, the four guys who play that part. And there is the um, MJ, the musical that, uh, you know, the crew of James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, coming up at 7 to 10 today. They're all for toots about um, let's see, there's uh, Kevin, right? Kevin Gomez, or whatever the hell his name is, Garcia, I forget what his name is. And then there's uh, Diego, who will be soon coming in here. Uh, and there's Rich Radabali. And they were playing uh, Thriller for, like, the whole week. And I was saying to them, what are you playing Thriller for? That's a pedophile on a pedestal. And they said, what are you talking about, Curtis? I said, hey, yeah, why not R. Kelly? While you're at it, that pedophile on a pedestal. Why not Elvis, that pedophile on a pedestal? Why not his cousin, Great Balls of Fire, Jerry Lee Lewis, that pedophile on a pedestal? All right, equal equal opportunity pedophiles on pedestals. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from New Hyde Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mikey. There is a simple experiment anyone can do to demonstrate the volatility of Diet Coke. Take a 64-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, drop a few Mentos, the uh, Scandinavian mint thing, drop it in there. It will shoot the Diet Coke up like five feet in the air. That is a chemical demonstration of how volatile that stuff is. Mike, have you ever done that demonstration? At least once a week. Wow. <laughs> oh man, that's like a that's like a space launch for you, Mike. You're really dedicated to uh alerting the general public about the dangers of Diet Coke. <laughs> Curtis, just go out to the sidewalk. I know you're a city guy. Take go out to the sidewalk cuz it it really it go don't do it in the house. It goes everywhere. Go out to the sidewalk, and you gotta act quickly because the minute those Mentos hit the Diet Coke, it's like a volcano. It's like Krakatoa. Go out to the sidewalk, bring some kids because they crack up. Drop those Mentos in there and stand back because it goes everywhere. Well, well, I do intend on doing that, especially to determine if. Uh... This is a cult, as the Washington Post uh, Post has written, that those who consume vast amounts of Diet Coke are part of a Coke, uh, excuse me, cult. The cult of Diet Coke drinkers, led by the big three, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and our Kumbadichich here at WABC, Rudy Giuliani, who uh, drink Diet Coke morning, noon, and night. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Fred, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Fred. Hey, good morning, Curtis. 
Curtis, I must say you are on fire. You've been doing tremendous shows. But I was weird. I heard yesterday that the bear hunt in Jersey was going to be called off. But you called the Barney hunt on in Jersey. You're going to be hunting Barney everywhere? Yeah, I hate Barney. Oh, Oh, God. I got to tell you, for all three of my sons, a certain portion of my life was spent having to sit on the couch with them. If you can, number 18 here, number 18, a certain part of my uh, life was spent on the couch having to watch that purple monster on television. You love me, I love you, and I just... Barney musical, forget about it. You'd be over there with an AK-47. Oh, there was. There was. Uh, I, I took my oldest son uh, to the Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, they had a musical that traveled around the tri-state area. Uh, that was good. But a Barney musical? Oh, my God. I would end up getting a 9 millimeter and wanting to shoot Barney. Curtis, the one musical, of course, that I do want to see would be the Flory Dories, because we want the Flory Dories. God. I hate Barney, purple monster. If I had a Winchester shotgun, I'd load it up with shotgun shells and blow Barney away. I'll do triple life without parole. I mean, it'll be worth it, man. I hated every minute, every hour of it, every day of it. And all my sons wanted was more Barney, more Barney, more Barney. Oofa! Oofa! It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. of the opera longest running musical in the history of Broadway. Originally was set to close February 18th, but ticket sales have been skyrocketing, so it's been extended to April 16th. Now let me see, if I had a choice, what would it be? Would it be uh, Phantom of the Opera, or would it be Old Calcutta? Right, remember they used to have those uh, advertisements uh, off-Broadway, the Great Wide Way Broadway, uh, claiming the longest-running musical of all time, Old Calcutta, as men and women were running around with those uh, those little towels around their uh, private parts. Oh, I remember that. Oh, love this song, love this song. Oh, God. It's back. April 16th. Close your eyes and surrender to your darkest dreams. Put your thoughts on the life in you before. Close your eyes, let your spirit start. 
only two musicals that got me to the point where I almost was reaching for the box of Kleenex. Obviously, Phantom of the Opera was one, and the other one was Les Miserables to the Barricades. Oh. Oh, look. Oh, it's back. It's back. Music shall surround you. I thought it was gone. Remember, we did a whole show on the loss of Phantom of the Opera. I remember I had a chance to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber when uh, Broadway reopened after the lockdown and the pandemic. Actually, I have to give credit where credit was due. The co-host of the morning show on women's only radio, WOR, Michael Riedel, who, uh, columnist, uh, having to do with theater issues for the New York Post and, uh, part of the morning show at WOR that Sid Rosenberg just crushed in the ratings. But he was kind enough to invite me. I had a chance to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber. We had a great discussion about the theater in London. The one opportunity that I had while I was there, I never went to the theater in London. And he was explaining to me, oh, you think this is great, Curtis? You got to come to the West End. Oh, the, the theaters are even more compact than they are here. It's almost like you can reach out and touch the performers. Ah, the next time I visit London to visit the Guardian Angels, I've got to do that. Maybe it'll be Phantom. Maybe it'll be Les Miserables. One thing I can tell you, it will never be, if my life depended on it, would be that musical favored by uh, Bo Snurdly, his crew, and that is uh, Thriller. I couldn't believe it the other day, the 40th anniversary of Thriller, and they were like having a party, and I was advocating to them, hey, you know something? You know who no longer celebrates the birthday of that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson? He used to do it every year, Spike Lee, 40, uh, 40 acres in a mule, right in Prospect Park, every year at the end of August. They fill up in the the uh, meadow. There all these Michael Jackson lookalikes, right? You know, they'd be doing the moonwalk. They'd have the one glove on. They'd have the fedora. They'd have those funky shoes on, and they'd have glitter all over their body. You imagine James Golden dressed like Michael Jackson, leading all those freaks, those Michael Jackson imitators, as he's spinning stacks of wax. A, B, C, one, two, three. What if it be scratchy eyes? Be ashamed of yourselves. There was a whole crew there. Oh, they were like uh, doing the moonwalk. I had a bum rush their show and let them know, hey, no, 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 no. That's promoting pedophilia. And then, of course, there's the Jersey Boys. Who would have ever thought that they would have had the run that they had on Broadway? You know, doing the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons routine. And, I mean, in real life, Frankie Valley, what is he, like 98? 98 now, and he hits the high. He, he can hit those high high notes. Not as well as he did before. But even even trying at his age, amazing. Anyway, let's go to Marianne, who's calling from Philadelphia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marianne. Hi, Curtis. Yes, It's, a, it's an honor to speak with you. Well, thank you. 
really. Um, I wanted to make a comment about the guy that called in about the soda, the diet soda. Yeah, Diet Coke and uh, the allegation by the Washington Post and anybody who drinks Diet Coke belongs to the cult led by Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and Rudy Giuliani who drink Diet Coke religiously. Well, I I have, you know what it is? Any diet soda, you'll notice, any diet soda, you'll read on the label, it says it has aspartame. A-S-P-A-R-T-A-M-E, aspartame in it. Yes. And that that is the poison that makes the Mentos, if you drop a Mentos in it, it'll explode. The best, the best test to do, I would think, is to get a Diet Pepsi, a Diet Coke, and then get a regular Coke and a regular Pepsi and drop a Mentos in each one and see if you get the same reaction. Hmm. Yeah, because I had two girlfriends that I grew up with. One, at an early age, had to get a pacemaker because she drank 16-ounce Pepsis every day. She drank two cases every day. I had another girlfriend that drank uh, Diet Coke the same way, and she ended up with brain tumors from the aspartame. Wow. It's poison. Yeah, it's poison. Incredible. And I I was one time addicted to uh, regular Coca-Cola. I'd have two 48-ounce bottles a day. You could have put them uh, upside down in an IV form and had an injectionable device right in my vein and just fed me the Coca-Cola. Yeah, I was that way with root beer. Mm. How much root beer like- would you drink? Oh, I, I didn't drink a lot. I didn't drink a lot, but I, I did. That was always my favorite soda when I did have have one. But now you don't drink it any longer. I don't drink that much soda now. I drink anything. I, I have once in a while, I have ginger ale. Oh, ginger ale. I remember my mother would say, when your tummy is aching, you got to have a glass of Canada dry ginger ale. It'll settle your, your tummy down. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, anyway, yes, uh, uh, do you really believe, as the Washington Post has editorialized about, that there is a cult surrounding Diet Coke of its users led by Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and Rudy Giuliani? No. No. I love all those men. And Rudy Giuliani is, uh, I just love him very much. Well, I, I, I want to report to you that when I was in the... Uh, ballroom of the Marriott Hotel for the dinner honoring the uh, Tunnel to Tower uh, Foundation. Uh, We were also uh, there honoring the uh, recipients of the Man and Woman of the Year, uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis. It happened to be Margot's birthday also. It's a grand affair. Uh, You need to know that Sid Rosenberg was lobbying vociferously Rudy Giuliani, Michael Bonicic, to have that sit-down with Eric Adams, the swagger man, the soccer man with no plan, on March 4, excuse me, on December 14th. That's right around. That's like one week from now. And I have done everything in my power to make sure that it's not going to happen. So I waited for Sid to stop yakking into Rudy's ear, trying to convince him he needed to have that sit-down. He gave... Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbadichich, a cauliflower ear. And then I just did, 
I intervened with Sid right there and said, no, we got to bring this to a halt. Not unless Eric Adams publicly apologizes to Rudy Giuliani, Michael Mbaricic, and said I was wrong in calling you a racist because he called Rudy a racist and never apologized. So why should you sit down with him and break bread, unleavened bread? Makes no sense to me. Apologize first. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Good morning, Curtis. You know you had better days, so did I. Um, I need help. I need some help with that job. Uh, You know, I'm Italian, and I really don't like rats. You know, I also had to join the Army for a little while. Then I got some urban combat experience. So I got two of the things they're asking for. Plus, I'm a pretty good shot. So if you need to get rid of these rats, you know, maybe you can help me get this job. You know, what do you think? Oh, well, you mean to be the rat czar? Yeah. Well, you see, this this is the problem. This is the problem you got. Uh, This job for the city of New York, the administration of Eric Adams, was posted while he was away in Qatar. He believes, remember, in all of his hirings, in all of his associations with people who are very tainted, you've heard him say he believes in giving people a second chance, right? Yeah, well, I kind of need a second chance, but they don't know about it. You know, I was in the garbage business. You know, we were talking about the Coke, right? And the Pepsi on everything and, 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 um, and Foster Avenue over there. You know, I know them. Yes. I did the garbage. Yeah, yeah. My people did the garbage. This, you know is, I mean? this is the problem, though. Uh, Guy has already signed up to at least uh, be vetted for the job, and that's the biggest rat that has ever existed in New York City. He's not a four-legged rat. He's a two-legged rat. It's Sammy the Bull Gravano who continues to eat the Parmesan cheese. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, Sammy the Bull's going to get that job? He, who, is there a bigger rat than Sammy the Bull? We can't let him get this job. No, 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 no. We, I, you know what? Listen, I got people who will take care of that. You know, you have to talk to him. Maybe, maybe he won't take the job, you know? Give it to me. Well, remember. I got the if, urban combat experience. If I, if I were the mayor, I wouldn't be giving people a second chance. I can, att- I, I can uh, 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 attest to that. But this seems to be the mantra of the Eric Adams administration. He looks for people to give him a second chance. And he has made a determination that in the running mm-hmm. now to become the new Rat czar in New York City, earning anywhere from $120,000 a year to $175,000 a year from the taxpayers, my own mind, is Sammy the Bull Gravano. Thank you. They don't even have to pay me more of that, though. You know, they want to take any rats. I guess it's going to cost more of that, you know what I mean? I know, but you really really got to loathe, hate, despise the rats. In fact, in 24 hours... We'll do an entire segment about the rat czar, which seems to have titillated and fascinated the world. We're having to cut our budget because uh, we have a looming deficit hanging over our head come January 1st. You would think that we really need to create the position of a rat czar? My answer is no, although Tommy... Tommy had mentioned uh, his Italian-American heritage. Let me read you uh, a letter that I received uh, that was provided to me by our telephone talent coordinator, Avery. Curtis, it's about Italians listening to me and the fact that I'm part Italian. 
This country was founded by people of the Protestant faith for Protestants, not by Italian Roman Catholics, with the exception of one government official who converted to Catholicism when he arrived at the colonies. Your kinsmen in Italy were collaborators and colluders with the Nazis during World War II, only supporting the Allies after they were defeated. Fascism was spawned in Italy with Hitler emulating Mussolini, propagating it across an entire continent, all derived from the Roman Empire's original conquest, subjugation, plundering, and brutalization of the peoples of what is now known as Europe. Well, this doesn't sound like any friend, let me tell you that much. The mafia evolved from these origins and murdered thousands of innocent civilians, destroyed their families, infiltrated and rest wrested control of thousands of legitimate businesses, unions such as construction, garment distribution, stock brokerage, corrupted government organizations and agencies, extorted, according to the FBI, hundreds of billions of dollars, subverted and dictated elections, and turned the FBI into an acronym that said, Forever Busting Italians. The migration border crisis is the result of the Catholic Church's hierarchy support of illegals to change the demographics of this country to a Catholic majority using the United States as the relief receptacle for the overpopulated Central American, Latin American, and other Catholic-dominated countries. The COVID strain of the pandemic was brought here from Italy, killing hundreds of thousands and leaving thousands with long-term morbidities. Your guardian angels organization with hundreds of chapters in hundreds of cities has not made a dent in lowering crime in New York City. So go back to your motherland, Italy. We don't need you here. Well, very inhospitable. Very inhospitable. Let's go to uh, Rick, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Uh, I was a backstage doorman for 14 years. You know, the guy who said, you could come in, you can't come in. Mm. And um, by the way, the Phantom, one of the most magnificent pieces of Broadway you'll ever, ever see. I, I loved when they would ask me to work that show. But here's Broadway now. They just opened uh, Thursday a show called Ain't No Mo. Are you, are you familiar with this? Ain't No Mo, no. Okay. Here's the premise. The American government offers all black people in America a one-way permanent ticket back to Africa. Would they take it? That's the premise of the show. I just think it's horrible, man. It's like smacking the beehive. It's incendiary. It's like, you know, Curtis, when you come out of a boxing match, you see all these people boxing outside or a kung fu movie. They're kung fu fighting outside. What do you think's going to happen when they, they stir up all these things and then the people go out? I mean, it, it's a horrible, and, and it got rave, rave reviews. The most witty show on Broadway today, it's like, oh, my God, this is this is not good. Mm. Mm. It's not the Broadway of, of, of old, you know? It's, it's, it's not West Side Story anymore. It's, well, it's, now, it's, what are some of the shows on Broadway that you worked to backstage for? Everyone you can imagine. I worked for the Schubert. You know, they have 18 theaters, and I worked every single one of their theaters whenever they needed me. So, And, and I, I was permanently at the Belasco and the Longacre. You name it, I, I worked it. 
Now, question, uh, Rick, uh, which was the best theater you worked in and which was a theater that you would have preferred not to have been uh, stationed at? Well, it depended on the doorman office. Some doorman offices are literally a, a, a sardine can, and some had giant, like, couches in them and stuff. So the ones that I wanted to work were the ones with the couches and stuff. So, but you mean inside? Yes. Uh, yes. Well, let me tell you, the one where the Phantom is backstage, it, 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 it's horrible because they they haven't been able to do anything for the last 25, 30 years. It's always been open. How can you renovate a theater when it's open? Mm. So they haven't done a thing to that theater. I, as soon as that show goes, you know they're going to put millions and millions of dollars into that theater. Wow. But so, some of the ones, like the Blasco, is now one of the most beautiful theaters you'll ever see. It, Tiffany actually made the uh, the... the lights in it himself in 1908 he made it each one of the lights on the ceilings are worth seventy thousand dollars and there must be like 50 of them up there it's it's amazing but um now a question you know, question rick uh, i've been to quite a few of the theaters uh right on 42nd street the heart of broadway yeah um and then obviously uh near schubert alley how is it that with the way the seats our position and as small as they are, it didn't take into account the growing size of average Americans, especially the tourists who will plan an entire year's uh, excursion here just to take in a Broadway play. Oh, I know. And, 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 and you also have to share an armrest. Two people have to share like a, a, a two-inch armrest. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, it, because... Hey, you throw in three or four seats more in that theater, that's $150, that's $600 a night, that's, times eight, that's $5,000 a week for each seat that you can push in there, mm. you know? Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 you know, it, it's, yeah. and, and the prices have gone from when I first started, you know, to, to now, I, I can't believe how much they're charging. I, I, it's one of those things where the people that work on Broadway can't afford to go to Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's oh, that right. music back there, it's gorgeous. That's very and sad. We'll raise it up there for Rick. Let, let Rick hear, hear the chorus there. The power of the music of the night. Yes, Phantom of the Opera. This was supposed to close on February 18th as ticket sales were on the decline. But because people in many instances, like Rick and others, wanted to see it at least one more time, or maybe for the very first time, the uh, production team of Andrew Lloyd Webber has said it will stay open until uh, April 16th and maybe even beyond, depending on the demands by... Uh, the potential viewers of what is considered to be the greatest musical ever to have played uh, the houses on uh, Broadway, Phantom of the Opera. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa.
God, this pedophile on a pedophile pedestal. It's haunting. Yeah, this is Michael Jackson singing the theme song of the movie Ben about four-legged rats. Not two-legged rats like Sammy the Bull Gravano. No, 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 eating the Parmesan cheese. No, 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 four-legged rats. And in 24 hours, we'll be discussing a position that is being offered by the city of New York, which has been told to cut positions, but they've uh, indicated through Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, that he needs a rat czar, a man or a woman who is going to dedicate themselves to a life of purging rats from the city of New York. Oh, God. Anyway, our number is one 800 Let's go to Jeff, who's calling from Harlem. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Hey, what's up, Curtis Sliwa? What's good? Nothing much. Nothing much, Jeff. Hey, it's Curtis. Everybody deserves a second chance. You know that, and I know that. That radio station that you're on right now, it's about five or six guys that got a second chance. Councilman Titi's looks out. So we don't know what. Your Sammy gonna be doing with Eric Adams, but let him, let him, you know, let him redeem himself. Okay. Well, remember, Jeff, uh, his position would be as the Rat Czar, Sammy the Bull Gravano, former underboss of the Gambino crime family, and John Gotti Senior when he was uh, in charge. Curtis, you gotta, you you gotta, yo, you, you gotta be a little bit smarter. You can't be using that word rat. Like, it's all right, man. You still got people in the streets like Moose and Rocco. You can't be, like, calling him a rat unless you was, number one, a rat is a co-defendant with somebody else. You, you understand what I'm saying? So don't do not do that to the man. The man trying to redeem himself. It's like like Dominic Carter that's on your show. He's trying to redeem himself when he, when he got in a little problem. Same thing with Anthony Weiner when he got in problem. So what you going to do? Don't you like you know? Don't do nothing that's throw away like garbage. No, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking at the job description. That's why we're going to do it in 24 hours, Jeff. We're going to have a full discussion of this new position. Drugs are. You have to eliminate the four-legged rats. Do you really think he's the best person in position to do that, Sammy the Bull Gravano? He's only got two legs. He ain't got four. But listen, everybody deserves a second chance. Let the man redeem himself. Mm. It's just like you, you and Giuliani. This is what I don't like about you two guys. And it's a couple of more people, like Lee Zeldin. Why didn't y'all come up in Harlem? Why didn't y'all go to Memphis Stuyvesant? Why didn't y'all campaign in all those different states? And Giuliani's son, too. This is what I'm saying. Y'all always saying that you're not racist. But we never see y'all. You never come up to Harlem. You never, never come to the Bronx where your own real estate, black people live their whole life trying to get out of the hood but don't understand that all the money's right there in the hood. By the builders, by the businesses, all that. People that's in Wisconsin, North Dakota, Idaho, Iowa, buying up a whole bunch of things, laughing and giggling at their dinner tables on things, together, saying, hey, I own a lot of stuff in Harlem. Hey, I own a lot of stuff in Brooklyn. I own a lot of stuff. No, we want to get out of there and then go to places where we're not even accepted. White folks don't even want us there. 
that's the bad part. Famous people don't even want to tip. Hmm. Now, you, now, talk about that, Curtis. Well, number one, I can't speak for uh, Andrew or Rudy or Zeldin, although I've been with them, and I've certainly been in some of the neighborhoods you've mentioned, but, man, I always can't. No, no, I'm going to stop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to stop you there. Don't do that. Don't lie. Don't, don't, don't say. You know that they don't like coming up past 96th Street. So at least be honest. Be honest to your to the people that you that, that listen to you every day. But they have been. But they have been. Lee Zeldin did not campaign in No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Don't Washington Heights, Inwood, Harlem. I was there. I was there. Yo, 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 I live in the middle of Harlem. I live in the middle of Harlem, Hall 43rd and 7th Avenue. I don't, I, I don't see nobody. No, None of y'all came up there. Not you, nobody. Not, not Giuliani's son, nobody. Don't. So don't say that he went to Washington High. Washington High is not really considered Harlem. That's a that's a lot of Latinos up there. It's not a lot of black people. Oh, I, I see. They're not worth people. campaigning for. No, what I'm saying, you gotta get you gotta give everybody a chance. Don't yo, don't lie for them. If you want to lie for yourself, that's one thing. But don't lie for them. Yeah, but I, I, I don't understand. You, you go, you're going off. You're going off on a tangent. I'm talking about Sammy the Bull Gravano being given a second chance, being appointed the rat czar of the city of New York by Eric Adams, and you're okay with that? Yes, I'm okay. Number one, I love everybody. I'm like what you say. I love everybody. I don't go around picking and choosing white folks to say, well, I like him and I like him. No, I like, I like everybody. The person that don't like me, that's the person I don't like. Hmm. I don't care if you're white or black. You know how that goes. Hmm. Is he the czar that to kill the rats that's in the streets, or is a drug czar that, to get the people off the street? Which one is it? No, no. It's uh, going after the four-legged rats. There's like eight rats now in the city of New York for every one person who lives here. They had a machine where I used to work at. They got a machine called the Rat Trap. That worked. But for some reason, the people in New York didn't want to buy it because they said it was too expensive. It was a machine that drowned the rat, and it worked. So we know when it comes about making money. The rat going to be here when we're dead and gone, just like the rat was here before we were dead. So I don't know who's well, – so well, well, I don't know what um, – I tell you, I tell you, I, I'm going to keep a scoreboard. Uh, today it's uh, one for Sammy the Bull Gravano. To become the rat czar of New York City. 1 800 848 It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. God. I hated the fact that they dedicated their entire hour program to this pedophile on a pedestal. Michael Jackson, and now James Golden, who's on 7 o'clock to 10, is going to be trying to revive and resurrect the annual gathering of all the Michael Jackson followers and freaks. And Prospect Park was an annual thing until Spike Lee, 40 acres, and a mule decided, hey, man, that's too hot to handle. 
So you're going to see James Golden dressed like Michael Jackson doing a moonwalk, you know, with the fedora, the one uh, glove, the glitter, and those funky shoes. Leading Kevin Perez, his board operator, Rich Radavali, senior producer, and a so-called DJ. And yes, Diego's on his way in to uh, run the boards. All part of the uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly team. And I got to tell you, I feel like uh, I'm soiled. You know, like I got to take a shower. God. Michael Jackson. They'll probably want to revive the musical, too. MJ, the musical. Well, let me tell you, James Golden, a double oofa to you, Kevin Perez. A triple oofa to you, Rich Radabali. You, senior producer, should know better. A Quinella oofa to you. And Diego, uh, I'm so happy because Mexico lost in World Cup. And I want America to lose today. That's right. Starting at 10. Against the dope smokers from the Netherlands.